0: This inhuman place makes human monsters.
1: I want to hear you scream. It is
2: time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. Look
1: at me, Damien. It's all for you. Every.
0: everyone and welcome to season two of podcast of the dead the podcast about all things horror related uh your favorite podcast to listen to while dissociating uh we're your hosts i'm zach palmer sitting next to me is isaac wright
2: our sink's been clogged for days
0: (laughs) it has been terribly clogged for days and days it's been awful uh and also our special guest today uh Independent filmmaker, photographer, writer, lead singer springtime of Springtime and the Changes, general pillar of the community, hey. and expert in all things The Shining and Stephen King-related. Aaron Devaney. And wow, now I have a
3: lot to live up to. Thanks for that introduction. Appreciate it. I'll try my best.
0: And of course, last but not least, now in HD from the void is Chrissy Beetle.
4: I have bad brain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I look back to work. Uh, so the, uh, this is the beginning of a new season, and we're trying some new things, I guess. And uh, this is going to be another one of those uh, definitive episodes, kind of like what we did with uh, Frankenstein. Um, and uh, I hope it's not too long. I hope it's not not too boring. But we have so many people here that I don't think it could be boring. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> um, They're always fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think it's going to be good. Uh, so without fur- further ado, uh, let's get into it. Um, so, in 1977, the master of horror himself, Stephen King, published what was to become one of the most iconic horror stories of all time, The Shining. From its inception, The Shining has explored themes of isolation, family, alcoholism, and, of course, psychic powers. Can't be Stephen King without psychic powers. Or alcoholism. Or alcoholism. Or a writer. Yeah, yeah, or, you know, general drug abuse and all things related to. Or or child orgies. Um, (laughs) 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 Despite the impact uh, his novel had, only two adaptions have ever been made. The more famous of these, of course, is Stanley Kubrick's adaption from 1980. So um, I think a lot of us. And that means the audience, not just the four of us, have seen probably the Kubrick version and have not seen the miniseries. Um, Of course, the first thing that I saw, I didn't read the book first, I saw the Kubrick movie first. Uh, What about y'all?
4: Oh, uh, it's that's all the miniseries. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping right in there. That's wild.
3: That's, I mean, really go for it, I guess. If you're going to see the actual physical mind of Stephen King, yep. watch the miniseries. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Now, I, my friend in uh, middle school just handed me the book because I was terrified of horror movies for a long time growing up. And she was like, you should try to read horror and see how you feel about it. So she just gave me this copy of The Shining she had and read it, immediately fell in love and watched the movie, and then from then on was, like, totally okay with all things scary. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Like, broke a barrier for me. So. Yeah, that's wild because of how much you love horror movies now. It's, yeah. it's weird to think that mm-hmm. you were... Yeah. Yeah, okay.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I You know that scene in uh, Spy Kids 2 where the skeletons, like, fight? Yeah. And, like, yeah, that scared me so <laughs> bad. I couldn't sleep for <laughs> weeks, so that's... Uh...
0: But you know, also one of the greatest uh, scenes in all of cinema history mm-hmm. is in that movie. Uh, oh no, wait—that's *Spy Kids* three. Fuck. Uh, Any <laughs> of the Spike Someone hits, really. ring the Dinkster. Um, <laughs>
2: I thought that was this *Shark Boy the and Lava scene Girl*, in but history
4: was a bit was Steve Buscemi. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: but my history with *The Shining* is a little bit different. Um, my parents uh, were big. In, they hated horror movies, but they were big into critically acclaimed movies Mm -hmm. and my dad had this big bible by this film critic called leonard malton that he would buy every year and we would just peruse it like every night we wanted to go rent a video and one night we happened upon the shining and we saw the shining the, the dog orgy scene, or dog blowjob scene, kind of scar- scarred me for life as a child. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah.
2: But, you know, whatever. Uh, but then after that, not too long later, then they released that miniseries, and we watched that in the only way you can, just on pins and needles every night, waiting for the next one to come
1: out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like four hours long. Yeah. yeah. Uh.
2: So that, that was a family bonding experience, was watching that <laughs> shitty remake of The Shining. <laughs>
0: So seriously, the first time I watched the miniseries was like you know two weeks ago mm-hmm. with with Isaac and <laughs> doing the research. We have it on VHS, um, we do. Yeah, you know, and mm. I was looking at the timestamp on the on the back of like the the case, the sleeve for the VHS, and I was like, Isaac,
2: <laughs> this is
0: four hours long. <laughs> why
2: is this four hours long? <laughs> we found out why it's four hours long, though. There's all the reason for it to be four hours long. Totally makes sense. It's totally worth your time. They
0: they spent a
3: lot of time on the topiaries. Yes. (laughs) The topiaries are very important in the book. That's true. Exactly. It's it's, very important.
4: It's basically Stephen King going, no, they didn't make it right, so I'm going to do it right. (laughs) I'm not even going to put myself in it.
3: That's how right I'm going to
4: do it. He He does have everything.
1: Yeah, he
0: does. But he insisted on being the goofiest band leader of all time. Uh, It's not a good scene.
4: <laughs> it could be, i mean it's not as bad as, it's not as bad as the
0: pizza guy in rose red I, yeah that was pretty bad that was, i that don't was, know they're kind of on the same level for me and i'm not sure which is worse no
2: the the, the mustache <laughs> for the band leader definitely puts him over the top of all of his Stephen mm, king cameos yeah <laughs> mm, yeah that's actually a good
0: point <laughs> that really is the
2: tipping point yeah. For yes. me, honestly yeah yeah
3: I don't
0: like to imagine that. I,
3: like to, I like to forget it exists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: we call that the mustache point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like to eternal sunshine that out of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. uh, yeah. And we're not going to memento it back in. No. Hey, So when I first saw the shiny, when I first saw the Kubrick one, I was just like, man, this is awesome. Um, Because this is after, like, I I think I saw, like, most of my horror movies I saw when I was, like, 12 or 13. And uh, even though, you know, the pacing is kind of pretty deliberate because it is a Kubrick film, I was like, you know, this is really fucking good. But you know what's weird? Is after reading the book more closely and watching the miniseries, I was like, I kind of get why Stephen King was pissed off. Mm -hmm. Because, like, he kind of changes the character dynamic entirely.
1: Oh, yeah. We'll get get into that
0: later. But, like, I, I get it. Like I understand that, like on by itself, like the Kubrick film is a really great piece of art, and it's a really good adaption in its in yes. and of itself. But it's like I know
3: why he was mad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, he cursed him way past his like years. And Doctor Sleep in the prologue, like one of the first few sentences, he's just like, "Fuck you, Stanley Kubrick. The <laughs> worst. I hate you so much. Me rotten hell." <laughs> Not that extreme, but it's pretty. It's very much uh... Pettiness beyond the years, so
4: I'm I I kind of live for the pettiness. Yeah, it's just great. because it's it's kind of funny. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I I think it's funny, but it mm-hmm. definitely I feel like it's so misplaced mm-hmm. because if that Kubrick version hadn't happened, that's like a whole bunch of, like a shit ton of just regular people that wouldn't have really cared about Stephen King at a time when he's still coming up. Yeah. So he owes a lot of success to the remake, or of the the original adaptation of The Shining, I think. You know what I mean? I mean, you'd say otherwise. He was already pretty established as a literary writer. Yeah. But at the same time, a lot of people don't read because this is America. Yeah,
1: this is America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this is America?
4: Well, so he he was already kind of a household name because of Carrie. Yes, like mm. Carrie adaptation and coming out. Salem Salem's Lot so. I think
0: came out before that too. Yeah, Salem's mm-hmm. Lot was seventy nine, I believe mm. it was seventy nine. Yeah. yeah,
4: and obviously that was Toby Hooper. So it's like he was already kind of there, mm-hmm. but The Shining sort of propelled it. Yeah. And yeeted him into (laughs) into the uh, ethosphere. Mm -hmm. And
2: it also got to like, I don't know, just churn like the public opinion about Stephen King. Because if anybody did watch the Shining, the Kubrick version first, they then look at that and like, oh shit, is that what Stephen King's novels are like? Then read Stephen King's novels, and they're like, wow, I can't get through like two chapters. This is so long. (laughs) So it's it it's but, an interesting turning point for him as is in his popularity, but also definitely film. Like that's the biggest thing that I'm gonna talk about for the, the original Shining mm-hmm. is just how it's presented. That's, no, that is a total know, thing. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
4: So many people I know watched the Shining and then read the book. Yeah. And they were like, Oh, this is completely different. I hate the book yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, wow no, I mean you you could yeah. Yeah, I I feel you're like you're doing this wrong. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's two
3: totally separate masterpieces with them. Mm-hmm. I honestly yeah, can't say one or yep. the yep. other is better. Like mm-hmm. it's my favorite book and my favorite movie for a reason. Yeah. Like I I've read that book, you know, 5 or 6 times and I've watched the movie more times than I can count, but I think that there is so much to take away from both of them while still kind of keeping the main concentration of the story really just like it's so fucking rock solid. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's, I think it's, I don't know, Stanley Kubrick made it a Stanley Kubrick production as Stanley Kubrick does because he's one of those directors that everything he does is so meticulous and so important to him. And so if he wanted to change the story to fit his weird adaptations of things, then that's how he's going to do it. But I mean, he he lied to Stephen King. He told him he was going to make a movie that was similar to his book. And then (laughs) it's like...
2: Um <laughs> anyways um,
3: but.
0: about that Stephen I mean, King
4: was yeah. just like
3: Say psych, <laughs> <laughs> Say psych, <laughs> psych. He watched <laughs> it was like, Oh, this dude, I swear to God, I'm coming for you. And that's how Stanley Kubrick died, and that's my theory. <laughs> <laughs> <And> <laughs> Stephen Did King killed him in cold blood. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, think about it he, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go with this, thing, right? yeah. I'm running right. with this it's not bad
0: it really dinks your dink it, uh,
2: I, yeah, thought, I mean I always thought that uh, the way and, uh, Stanley Kubrick died was like Tom Cruise uh, like burrowed oh. into his cellar yeah. and then right after Eyes Wide Shut was released like Stanley Kubrick was at home crying because it wasn't critically acclaimed and then Tom Cruise <laughs> came out of the ground and started strangling him with like a pair of socks yeah. and- <laughs> you ruined my life <laughs> that's just me though, I mean, you know, there's... one sock said
0: "fuck" and the other one said "you." <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. That's uh that's also a solid theory. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if it, yeah. Tom
2: Cruise is nothing if not like some sort of marmoset or other like ground ground tunneling animal.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He can
1: Tom get Cruise smaller. Is yeah, like the
4: groundhog of actors.
2: <laughs> Say what?
4: He's definitely the groundhog of
1: actors.
3: Yes,
4: oh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because he just does the same thing <laughs> over and over again.
0: It somehow affects the weather. I don't really
1: understand. Yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: if Tom Cruise sees his shadow, then there's going to be 10 more years of Scientology or something oh, like that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's going to happen anyway. Yeah. Uh, oh, unfortunately. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, Scientology. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, so, to really get into the story. We have to, of course, start with the source, which is the masterwork that is the book. Mm -hmm. Uh, The book has a very deliberate pacing and benefits from a lot of insightful, like, internal dialogue. Uh, There's a lot of, you know, characters talking to themselves, like, kind of Mm -hmm. getting to the point in the book that they are, just saying, like, how did I get here, essentially. Um, And kind of, there's a lot of, like, rumination. Uh, In the book, Uh, out of all of the versions, it's definitely the most character focused and introspective, uh, which has always seemed to be King's uh, strength and a common thread throughout his works. Uh, The book opens with the interview of Jack Torrance for the position of the off-season caretaker of the Overlook Hotel, which is kind of fitting because today it's snowing outside, which is very rare for (laughs) Texas. That was very strange. Um, (laughs) uh,
2: In
0: in the Overlook Hotel is a building with a dark past, uh, which the... um, The owners and the managers seem desperate to keep under wraps. Torrance, an ex-alcoholic, now on the wagon for almost two years, is down on his luck and out of a job. Although seeing many warning signs, including the most prominent of which being that the previous caretaker, uh, Delbert Grady, killed his family and then himself in a violent outburst, uh, Jake, uh, Jake...
3: Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Jake, Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Jake
0: Gyllenhaal. Okay,
3: but hear me out. <laughs>
0: uh, Jack takes the job due to his increasingly dire financial si- situation. Uh, when the Torrances get to the hotel on the last day of the season to begin their long winter, they meet the head cook, Mr. Halloran. Dick to his friends, (laughs) it's revealed through a series of unsaid transactions that both Dick and Danny Torrance, Jack's son, uh, both have a psychic ability that Dick's grandmother called The Shining. Uh, Dick notes that uh, not only does Danny have The Shining, but he has a particularly strong gift for it. Uh, Dick warns Danny of the mysterious and foreboding nature of the hotel and tells him that if he needs his help, he can call him psychically and he will come as soon as he can.
2: I just want to say that uh, a good uh, second title for this book slash movie should have been Shine Time with Dick and Danny.
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Shine Time
2: with (laughs) Dick and Danny. It's their
3: spinoff talk show that comes out after.
0: Welcome to Shine Time with Dick and Danny. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Dick, I'm Danny.
2: (laughs) I have a massive overbite.
0: (laughs) Ma- no only only the mini series version of Danny has a massive over I'm going to I'm going to
2: believe oh, that, my that, God. that he's written as having a giant overbite. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's not, but uh, oh. it's good
0: to it's good to think of that. Uh, the Torrance's first month in the hotel goes by rather uneventfully with only a few strange occurrences happening, although Danny has a bad feeling and fleeting visions of things to come the whole time. As time slips further, the phones go down due to the snow and the Torrance's are snowed in and isolated. This starts to cause serious issues. Danny's visions get more intense and frequent, and Jack starts hearing and seeing things himself. This comes to a head when Danny goes into the one room that Dick told him not to go into, room 217. After getting injured by the ghost that resides there, Wendy, Jack's wife, accuses Jack of hurting Danny, which stems from an event uh, years earlier where Jack broke Danny's arm. This causes Jack to slip into a hallucination of a party in the dance hall of the hotel, which seems to exist outside of time. Uh, <laughs> in a seemingly trance-like state, Jack has a conversation with a ghostly version of the former caretaker of the hotel, Grady. Grady not only gets Jack drunk, but it convinces him that his family needs, quote-unquote, correcting and tells him that they must be killed in more or less words. Jack, now actually drunk, attacks first Wendy. She escapes when the hotel, which has now gained sentience due to the intense psychic power of Danny, tells Jack that Dick, who was physically called by Danny when things started going sideways, has arrived to spoil the plans, using very uncouth words. Uh, Jack attacks Dick and knocks him out. Jack then confronts Danny, and Danny, realizing that the hotel has now possessed the body of his father and his actual father has essentially died, tells the entity that it forgot one thing, to dump the boiler. The boiler which was established earlier as already being old and failing, then blows up, destroying the hotel. Dick, Wendy, and Danny have just enough time to escape and make it out alive. There's also a sort of postscript where Danny's fishing in Maine and
2: stupid. Does he catch stupid anybody? like like, it's like postscript stuff, yeah. but yeah. It's, it, it Do, does, does he tie ca- up everything nicely. Does but. he catch anything? Yes. Okay. He ca- He good. catches a trout. Just making trout, sure. I think. Yeah.
3: Yes. And then a ghost later on in his brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what he does.
0: Uh, so, um, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so much that happens, and actually, not a lot of pages if you think about it. Yeah. Uh It's a it's a dense. It's a dense yeah. story. And What's that was brief too. That was yeah. That, brief. that was that was as brief as I could make it.
2: What's the page <laughs> you, count you of did the novel? Good.
3: Ooh. How much is that? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I have no idea, honestly. I don't know what the page count is. Uh, I couldn't tell you. I,
0: I listened to it as an audiobook,
2: so oh, I have no idea. okay. How many minutes was it? I
0: don't know. Let me look at my <laughs> Audible account. L- I'll, I'll be able
2: to tell you. Because I, n- I know what the page to minute conversion rate, let me tell you. <laughs> I don't. Uh, <laughs> I was like, that's a oh, skill No, have. That is a skill
0: that nobody cares about. <laughs> uh, it is 15 hours long. Okay, it As is four hundred
2: and forty-seven not... pages. Yeah, yeah, and see, that's relatively short for most Stephen King novels. Yeah. Like yeah. most Stephen King novels is or pretty long. Yeah, Tommyknockers is the only one I've made it most of the way through. Yeah, and I know I think it has to be over five hundred because it's Tommyknockers is actually oh. pretty short. Is I would look at the I would say Tommyknockers
3: knockers, if it's over five hundred, barely over five hundred. Yeah, I thought yeah. it
2: was, but may, like I said, I could yeah. be wrong. But like I said, so for a Stephen King novel, though, S- The Shining is. Fairly short, yeah. But from what I understand from you reading it and from reading kind of synopses yeah. of it and stuff, it is very dense. Like yeah, like you said before, so, yeah. that it just contains a lot of internal monologuing yeah. and stuff that you don't mm-hmm. get in a lot of movies. And I think that's interesting.
0: But believe it or not, the pacing is pretty. It's a slow. It's a boil. slow boil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. yeah. Because <laughs> of the boiler. <laughs> All right,
2: you get me. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that makes sense though because. Oh, no, the, both the movie and the miniseries both have a slow boil, too. It's yeah. a slow boil story. Yeah. That doesn't surprise yeah. me that a lot of the book is is more just conversations within people's yeah. own minds. Right. And that, that makes a lot of sense to me for the type of story that it yeah.
3: is. I think a big thing about it, too, is that that internal struggle, like, really melds with the horror that Danny experiences there. So mm-hmm. you can have, like, he has these visions of things that happen before they happen, like, He sees, like, the garden hose come to life in the hallway and it attacks him. Mm -hmm. He's the one who sees the, you know, like, the blowjob bear thing that's (laughs) in the movie is way different in the book. But it's even more terrifying in the book because it, like, has, like, ties to actual history in the hotel. Yes. And, like, his whole scene walking into room 217 and just the just how it's written and how visceral it is for Danny, who is a child which makes it even scarier reading it because you're trying to think of like, what if I was a kid? What if I was in the situation? So like a lot of that horror does happen, even though it's a slow burn for the rest of the story with Jack going insane and like finding all the information downstairs. Um, It is always, it is constant for Danny. It never stops. It starts there and it ends with Danny. It always does. That's like a big thing that people don't realize Mm -hmm. about it is it has a lot to do with Jack. It has a lot to do with Wendy, but it starts and it ends with Danny. Mm -hmm. It always has and always will.
2: Um, one quick question, like most of the time when Stephen King writes, what is his demographic? Is he young adult? Is he adult like horror? Because I mean, Chrissy, when did you said you started reading Stephen King when you were like super young, right? Mm.
4: Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't have been reading Yeah, that. yeah. You Stephen shouldn't, did. but a lot of people I do. Was. That's the thing. Yeah. Stephen King's a very
0: adult audience. Mm-hmm. Okay.
4: Exactly. Yeah. Total auties, for fuck's sake. Yeah.
0: Uh, first, yeah, of true. All, yeah. first of all, things I didn't mention in the plot. There's a lot of Jack and Wendy fucking. A lot of it. A lot yeah, of her talking about lot.
3: his cum sliding down her yes. legs. Things yeah, like that. That is
0: actually, that is actually in yeah. the book. Really? Uh, yeah. There's also a scene where yep. he's just not... Like nonchalantly fondling her in her breast or out.
3: Yeah, uh. <laughs> and he dances with the lady in the gold ballroom, and he talks about his erection as he's dancing against this woman. Yes, and it's just oh there's God. a lot of very very Stephen strong King has sexual a content.
4: Of weird issues he needs to. Get. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a lot of things. Oh, uh,
3: this is kind of a side note, but very funny story. I don't remember which of my friends it was, but I had a friend whose uncle went to college with Stephen King. And any time that he would be, like, coming to parties or people would know he was showing up, everybody was like, Ah, oh, God, that guy! He's so fucking weird! I don't want him at my party! <laughs> and I just think about it every time, like, thinking about, like, unibrowed, giant, bushy hair Stephen King in college, like, just... Not somebody you'd want at your house parties or anything. Yeah, <laughs> and
4: now and now they're like, damn, I know, right? <laughs> at our house parties. Yep. Mm-hmm. You brought all the good codes. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Yep.
0: No, but like college Stephen King, I can imagine it. He like walks in. He's like, he always steals all our weed, and he's horny <laughs> all the time. <laughs> all the time. He nice. is so horny. He walks in rock hard. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, yeah, I don't. I, it is a really horny book. Um, mm. Okay, and so the main reason I ask is because because what you said that yeah. like Danny is such a big part of it is yeah. like how many people would be reading it at the age in which they would the, relate to the Danny. Thing is, you
0: know, <laughs> I mean, he's four, so no, true. He's, <laughs> yeah. Well, he's five in the book, seven yeah. in the miniseries.
2: Yeah. And none of them can read. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: but he, the thing is, he writes a child really believably. Like, yeah. uh, Danny has written, like, an actual five-year-old would, like, think and talk, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. in kind of, like, stunted sort of logic uh, that I think is really... I don't know. It, it, it's like a really good way to write a child because he's like he has like they he has this thought of divorce because like the divorce goes through his parents mind. And he can read minds. So he doesn't know what divorce means, but he's trying to like use context clues to kind of figure it out. Yeah. Huh. You know, um, and there's like a point in the book where he says like it's near the end of the book where he where Stephen King says uh, Danny has his first adult thought like independent from being like part of his parents mm-hmm. unit i guess I, I don't know it's it's interesting
1: yeah it's-
2: i don't need i don't need to know about Tiny child, sexy time. Stephen King, don't yeah. don't tell me about that, <laughs> not please. That no, no, adult. no, not that. No. I thought that's, that's what you meant. That was it. No,
1: he did,
3: he did all the weird, like kid sex stuff in it, and then got it out of his head.
0: I, and he that, was high as fuck. He he was
3: so he was so drunk and high while he was writing his most like well known and like beautifully prose novels. That he does not remember writing them. Imagine <laughs> Cujo, waking up. He does not he remember, remember writing joke Cujo. He yeah. barely remembers writing The Shining. The reason why he came up with the idea for the book was because he was blind drunk wandering the halls of the Stanley Hotel and he met a bartender named Lloyd. And then he started having these nightmare visions, like waking visions of the ghosts living in the hallways of this yes. hotel. And
0: we'll, we'll get into that later.
3: That's fucking yeah. rad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. i just like, <laughs> it's so, oh my God. We'll,
0: we'll get into that later, but we'll, we'll talk about what inspired this. Uh, mm. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It is very deliberate pacing and it's not unlike the pacing of the miniseries or the Kubrick film, but it's kind of different than both of those in the way that it is a almost a straight line of climax. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really, really well written to be like a straight line of climax, and I, I think that's that's what makes
2: it work so well and why it's so good. And I think the the different threads of what makes each one individually best, and I mean we'll probably talk about this a lot more, but it sounds like from the novel, from what I understand, the novel's like real crux is understanding feelings and interpersonal relationships, yeah. which you get a little mm-hmm. bit of in the miniseries, but not as much, because it's A, yeah. it, it's like, you know, visual storytelling, and B, it's truncated for time. You yeah. can't delve into it as much as you want. All of that kind of goes out the window in the movie version, and they instead focus on the atmospheric horror and the visual horror. Yeah. and just the like hotel. Yeah, exactly, yeah. in the hotel itself. Mm-hmm. So, like, I kind of do want to read the book, because I think, because I really like that interpersonal style mm-hmm. of horror, where it's, like, family drama. That's why hereditary is so good. Exactly, yeah. hereditary is yeah. like yeah. that. You can uh, any- relate
0: to
3: it on such a personal and human yeah. level, which yeah. is hard to do with horror, so.
2: Yeah, anytime you can interweave like actual personal feelings that you have definitely experienced or you know that other people have experienced and you can empathize with, that makes it really strong. So I understand why the book is as popular as it is. I understand why the movie is as popular as it is for completely different reasons, and I totally understand why the miniseries is not popular at all. (laughs)
1: Because
2: it it doesn't succeed on any level.
0: It it has all of the... It hits all the points, but in the wrong execution. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Uh, We'll we'll get into it, but yeah... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, two things I do want to talk about before we move on. Um, one of one of the things is that's not co- covered in either the miniseries or the Kubrick adaptation. That's in the book that I think is really important is Jack's relationship with his father. Yeah, uh, his father was really abusive and uh, was like hobbled after a while because he, had, I guess he had like knee issues yeah. or he got in a car wreck. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Exactly I think what it was. I think
3: he served in the military. Was that what it was? I think so. Well, he I don't was, know. Well, it's well he was in a while
0: in- since I read the book he was a nurse Mm -hmm. after I guess he served in the military and I guess that he just got progressive, like whatever injury he had got progressively worse and he Mm -hmm. would just use the cane to like exact justice. His own brand of justice Mm -hmm. medicine is what Mm -hmm. he called it. Giving, giving them their medicine. Um, and that whole dynamic with his dad is a really important part of like understanding Jack as a character. And I I feel like it's kind of, sucky that they left it out in both adaptions um, and it's strange that King would leave that out of his own adaption I, I don't know anyway the other thing that's important that I think is is left out of both adaptions is the the point that made him stop drinking which was when he was he was driving drunk with his friend Al in in the car and Al was driving and they hit a bike they didn't have a kid on it but they thought it had a kid on it, and mm-hmm. that was kind of like a, a like a lingering thought in the back of his head for, right. forever. And he was so shook, shook by the experience. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, was going to say shooken up, but shook works. Shook works. Yeah. Shattertized.
1: Shattertized. There you go.
0: Shookermented. <laughs> <laughs> <Sugar-minted>. um, <laughs> that uh, he stopped drinking, and that was like the catalyst for him to stop drinking. And I think that's kind of an important event that was left out, and I don't know why. Uh, there's kind of confusing omissions in the adaptions, and I, I it frustrates me, I guess, as somebody who actually is a big fan of the book, but maybe like, that's just me.
2: I think a lot of it has to do with, again, visual medium has to has to undergo a certain amount of time, so you have to cut certain things, that's yeah. like with any piece of media, and also you get a lot of the father stuff just from Jack in the miniseries, yeah. like they examined an abusive father relationship a little bit later. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah so... You kind of get the same theme, so I think that King probably thought that like that's fine. It's, that was the theme I was yeah. going for. Um, as far as the moment that he stopped drinking, I think that's not necessarily important for the for the miniseries or the book or, or or the movie.
3: Well, they do the like the biggest, most major incident like that had a lot to do with him stopping drinking, but it still was that he like when he broke Danny's arm, he was like, mm-hmm. "I'm done. Like I can't. I'm yeah. not drinking anymore." But, like, or, wait, no, that happened... I can't remember the
2: order. No, that, happened, that happened prior. It oh, happened prior to the And accident. then he no, then yeah. he got fired it, yeah, for yeah. assaulting the kid. Yeah, yeah. And that was basically what they say in the miniseries is what made him stop doing Yes, drinking. but
0: yeah. the, the the whole point in the book was him getting fired for hitting the kid actually happened when he was sober. It happened yeah. five oh. months five months before they go to the hotel. Oh, and by okay. that mm-hmm. point he had already been sober for fourteen months. Yeah. Because oh, in, in okay. the book he's he's been sober for nineteen months. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is like it's the timeline's different. And I I don't quite get why it was changed. I, you know? I think
2: well, I think it's just the people can have a lot of different reasons why they would stop drinking, and I think any of the ones that were showed in the movie or the or the uh, mini series like stand on their own is like yeah. that was a reason for me to stop drinking. Yeah. You know what I mean?
3: And it was one of many reasons. I yeah. think they just didn't want to dive you just into. Every don't
2: need to make yeah. an additional one like yeah. an additional like. Uh, justification for why mm-hmm. I stopped drinking. Because yeah. let's get on with the with the story. Yeah. We already have and a I, lot to get through, mm-hmm. and it's going to go at a snail's pace. Yeah. And I think that, that <laughs>
0: it's a, kind of a really introspective reason, and that probably doesn't translate as well to like film
1: yeah. mm-hmm. in any hard sort to of way. That. Like
0: anything that's got to be in your head, it's hard to like do it as well. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just works better when you're reading it rather mm-hmm. than seeing it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, the idea for the story. Of The Shining Sims from King's stay at the Stanley Hotel, mm-hmm. as Aaron said, um, in Estes Park, Colorado in 1974. Him and his wife stayed in a supposedly haunted room, room te- 217, which is where that comes from. Uh, since King and his wife arrived at the hotel around the time of the closing of the season, they were the only two guests in the hotel. Uh, King one night toured the empty hotel, um, drunk, yeah.
1: <laughs> but that's kind mm-hmm. of Hotels. omitted from the traditional <laughs> yeah. story, yeah, yeah.
0: and found that the bartender, who uh, was actually named Grady... Uh, at least in the version of this story that I read. Oh, um,
3: I've heard Lloyd, so I don't know if he, he might have... I mean, it could have been either one. Just It was a name he picked for his book. Yeah, I know that. It was so, one of yeah. those names. It yeah, was yeah, either
0: yeah. Grady or Lloyd, yeah. uh, and, who was still tending bar because mm-hmm. the season hadn't quite ended yet. Yeah. Uh, these experiences formed many of the important elements of the story. In addition to the more direct elements of the story, Jack Torrance's struggle with alcoholism was also parallel to King's own struggle. Uh, King has revealed in many interviews since The Shining was written... Uh, his issues with drugs and alcohol through the 70s and 80s, as we've talked about already, yeah. uh, with his most notable period of depression and alcohol be- uh, abuse being after the death-, death of his mother from cancer in 1974. Uh, despite King's personal turmoil, it gave Jack's uh, addiction, at least in my opinion, a feeling of reality and made Jack's character both more sympathetic and believable. Mm-hmm. As you know, I was trying to say, it's... I don't know. He's definitely more a more sympathetic character in the book than he is in either adaption. Yeah, mm-hmm. in yeah my I opinion. can understand oh, yeah. that um and i don't know i think he loses a lot of humanity
3: in both of them like especially in the movie they just kind of Mm. introduce him as like this sort of like detached no nonsense guy whereas jack in the book like he's he's bless his heart he's trying he's trying so hard (laughs) and when he gets to the hotel it literally haunts him from the inside it eats him alive from the inside that's like when i um my favorite part from the book is when he picks a wasp nest out of the roof, kills all the wasps, shakes them out, gives it to Danny. They all come back to life in the middle of the night and like sw- like surround the room, swarm everything, sting Danny, whatever. Yeah. And I think that that is such a very very important part to lead you into just this like. What what happens here? Like what happens in this hotel? Like it looks so dead and desolate from the outside, but on the inside, it's full of wasps. Mm. Like that, I think that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's how Jack feels, and that's what he's like tied into, and it's it it sucks. <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: am I'm
4: gonna say a controversial opinion. <laughs> Go for it, of oh, yeah, <laughs> <sighs> as I am known to do. As as much as I enjoy Jack Nicholson's version of Jack. I find he just Jack Nicholson's all over it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And it's so frustrating. Because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like, that's not the character. Mm. I, and I, it's like, that's, it's not the character, like, because he's just going a bit too far with it.
0: I mean, I I totally agree with you. Honestly, like, I I think Isaac kind of agrees with you, too, because he was kind of saying the same thing when we were re-watching. I was about to say the
2: same thing right before you said that, in fact, (laughs) Uh, because when we were watching the movie, uh, or the miniseries, I can't remember, but we were reading reviews from the time of, like, both of the adaptations and everything like that to kind of get a sense of what kind of reception they both got critically. And there was that one really good Variety review that was like, Jumpy Jack Nicholson does his <laughs> best Jumpy to ru- <laughs> just to ruin this performance or whatever. <clears throat> and Variety just really rated the film extremely poorly yeah. because of just Jack Nicholson's performance. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we see it now as... Actually, I wouldn't even say we see it now as like a really good cinematic role we see it as one of jack nicholson's really good roles yeah. even then, we don't really associate <laughs> the character with the shining or with jack we just see jack nicholson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. See,
3: i my my counter to that for one i absolutely adore jack nicholson i think he's the way he plays his characters and how true to himself he sticks to each role yeah. while still playing these super outrageous and like most of the time like legally insane people (laughs) it's it's i think it's impressive what he does i understand what you're saying that like he he does make a jack nicholson of everything that he does Mm -hmm. but i think his interpretation of jack came a lot more from kubrick than it did from just him himself because like i i know that kubrick hired him for a reason i know he hired shelly duvall for a reason because they are both so visually and like characteristically easy to recognize and he wanted yes. that in his Jack and yep. Wendy because he stripped so much of their characters. Right. He 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 took away a lot of their personalities and a lot of their story. Like you don't get any backstory from either of them. Mm-hmm. You get nothing that relates you to them. You just get them put in this like scenario where they're, you know, in this hotel and all these bad things are happening to them. And I think that's, you know, obviously something that movie lacks on, but like having read the book and going into it with that perspective, I can kind of understand why Kubrick was doing that. Mm -hmm. But I I don't know. I think it would have been cool to get a more personal side of things, but Mm -hmm. I think Jack Nicholson did very amazing things with uh, Jack's character, in my opinion. I don't know.
0: I think it's an excellent performance. (laughs) Yes, I think it's an excellent Mm -hmm. performance, and I think it stands on its own as an excellent performance. I don't think it's the greatest interpretation of Jack, but like you said, I don't think that's necessarily Jack Nicholson's mm-hmm. fault, I think. It, it does have a lot to do with Kubrick and the way he rewrote the story. For sure. Um, and I, Jack Nicholson can definitely do understated performances. Like, five easy pieces is definitely a more understated performance yeah. mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and I, I don't know. It's, it's just one of those things where... I don't think everybody's going to be pleased by everything. You no. Know? It's and, There's and, and, any problems people have with whatever, because we all have our different right. opinions. So, yeah. yeah, and everybody's always going to be like,
1: well, the book is better. Yeah. You know? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I, and yeah. I hadn't heard anyone say that specifically, that he relied more on. Jack and Shelley or Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall's appearance more than anything mm-hmm. to, to provide character to the characters yeah. because they do lack a lot of empathy maybe yeah. not so much Shelley Duvall but yeah. obviously Jack uh, kind of yeah, yeah. like lacks any empathy with yeah. oh, with yeah. the viewer yeah. but if you look at oh, yeah. like any of Kubrick's works he always does get very visually distinctive actors yeah. to play pretty much yeah. everything. And very he's bland
3: su- characters for the most part. Mm-hmm. And
2: yeah, and he basically makes everything a visual statement as opposed to like an emotional or an yeah. empathetic or an actual like yeah. literary one. Cause I mean, you think about Gomer Pyle from um Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. Like they basically got him <laughs> to just look like a Dumbo, and then a psychopath, and play those two roles interchangeably. Just by look. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, he didn't have to have really much of a character. You just see him on the toilet just, like, zoning out, and you're automatically like, like, he's insane. Yeah. And
3: while that seems like it might be somewhat of a cop-out, I think the fact that Kubrick was able to create these stories and these characters and these, like... Um, just worlds that people remember as all of these incredible standalone perfect films, I think that that's honestly wildly impressive. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, not to give him any credit, like, I hope he rots in hell, but <laughs> <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> I, that that in and of itself is pretty incredible, and uh, I, I think that's why I like his movies, but at the same time, when he does that wrong, or like, it's just not enough for me i feel like i've watched a lot of his movies where i'm like i just can't get interested in this because there is not a lot of content and the visual isn't enough for Mm me yeah so yeah it's a very delicate balance so
0: well i mean there's a lot and there's a lot of movies that i feel like some people feel that way like suspiria for instance Mm -hmm. a lot of people and i kind of feel the same way about suspiria is it's very visually stunning yeah but if you like start to delve into like the actual content of the movie it's not it's shallow. It it's, it's a your, lot of those Hammer there's films. There's
4: more content in like Suspiria that. 2018. Yeah, yeah, right. True. which is why I like both Sham-packed. of them in different ways. I was
2: actually before we started, my, I was trying to think of other movies around the same era and everything yeah. that could be similar to The Shining in a lot of different ways. And Suspiria really stands out because it is more playing on the yeah. visual aspects of the dance studio, of mm-hmm. the colors they use, yeah. of the camera mm. angles, everything like that, more than the story. Because yeah. I will tell you, I don't really remember exactly what the story of the original Suspiria. <laughs> Is. Yeah, I do vividly remember all the crazy shit that happens in 2018, Suspiria. <laughs> yeah, certainly so. Yeah. Uh, it is one of the most visually stunning
0: movies I've ever seen, mm-hmm. Suspiria. Yeah. Uh, but also, so is uh, uh, Deep Red. Yeah. Deep Red's really great. Dario oh, Argento just uh, has an eye that nobody can compare yeah. to, honestly. And And Deep, Deep Red's a much better movie in my opinion, yeah. but That's
2: uh,
3: Uh, hey oh hey that's for another episode, buddy. (laughs) I had to sit here for a
2: second and parse out Deep Red and Red Dawn, and I was going to go on a Red Dawn rant for a second. (laughs) Oh no, Oh, (laughs) we don't have time for that. (laughs) Very different movies, (laughs) very different. Uh, But
0: I do kind of want to talk about like how communism. Well, (laughs) yes, yeah, always, always, but not at this particular moment. No, Um, I kind of want to talk about how like Jack Torrance is sort of a. Avatar.
4: It's another Stephen yeah. King stand-in. Well, yeah,
1: yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, he's
0: kind of a, a uh-huh. Stephen King replacement. Just like, hey, this is a little bit of myself.
4: Yeah. Um, Same with the guy from the Tommyknockers. Yeah. Misery. Bill. Yeah. Yeah. And. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And you I mean, it.
2: I mean, that's a pretty pretty standard trope for a lot of authors. Just Stephen King knows he can get away with it on, in mass, essentially, yeah. just because a lot of authors write characters that are the character that they would play in yeah. this story, so that they have like. That's usually the most genuine character yeah. too. It's like the one that like responds to things in a most genuine human way. Sure. And it's like because this is me, yeah. and wouldn't you know it? It's always the alcoholic in every story. <laughs> <laughs> <King book. Yep. laughs> yeah. Like,
4: yeah, or the it's the alcoholic writing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: It's not a tired,
1: very trouble. much so. Yeah, no,
2: my favorite one is in Langoliers. It's the um, the hit, the mystery writer on the plane oh, yeah. that's God. constantly uh, oh, dissecting yeah. the plot as yep. if it's a mystery story. And I'm like, Stephen King, you're an asshole for God. doing this to me.
1: <laughs>
0: oh. Why would you do this? Oh man, it was uh. at some point, maybe soon, we are going to do a Stephen King miniseries on the miniserieses. Yes, um, yeah. And God, the Langoliers is the best one. God, it's good. <laughs> There's a so
1: much to consume kid. there.
0: Scaring
4: the
1: little girl.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Scaring the little girl. Does that
4: mean I have to sit through Rose Red? Yeah. Uh, yes.
0: <laughs> God, Rose Red's good.
2: Uh, hey, fuck. No, I feel your pain. I have to sit through the stand. I couldn't make it through tape. Oh, one. so oh, yeah.
3: bad. How do they have Molly Ringwald in their cast and make <laughs> I know. something that bad?
1: Oh, no, is
0: it
4: Kevin fucking Don't Bacon? Have, yeah, Kevin fucking the Bacon. Stand. Say do what, like? Chrissy? Don't
0: y'all have the laser disc? We do. Yes, we do. <laughs> I have a laser disc of the uh, Stand. Amazing. I don't. I think it's two discs, four sides of the Stand miniseries. <laughs> <laughs> I hate
3: that. <laughs> I, I hate, hate it too. I hate that it's so long, and I I want it to burn forever in a fire. What's it, what's longest miniseries? Is it The
4: Shining? I, I think thought it was it's The Stand. I think it's The Stand. Yeah. Is it The Stand? Yeah. I guess I that makes sense. I do think it might be The Stand?
2: You don't think it was?
4: No, I think it oh, is. Okay. inside like the Stand or The Shining.
3: The Stand is like one of his longest books mm, too. Yeah. so yeah. it would be many a hours. Many, Anyways, many The Shining that we're talking about yes. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, late. I mean, sometimes you go down a King Hole, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm fine with that. I've got a lot to talk about with Stephen
0: yeah. King. Yeah. So. Oh, we always have a lot Dude. to talk about Stephen King. <laughs> he,
3: there's a lot of Dude.
4: Stephen King in this world. Yep. Yeah. Uh it seems to be the Stand is the longest. Yeah, long. yeah that doesn't surprise me.
0: <laughs> how long? How long is it? How long is it? How long
3: is it? Uh, you,
2: you, give me that. this information right.
3: I need it. <laughs> you didn't have this prepared.
2: <laughs> and don't give it to me in metric it's six either.
3: Six hours in a minute. Jesus
1: Christ! Minute?
2: <laughs> all right, <laughs> I'm been through six
3: hours, but that last minute. Yeah, that, okay. So that extra no...
2: minute is when it all comes together. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs>
0: There's no possible way it's two laser discs. Then it has to be at least three. I think
2: I think uh, Books and More uh, cheated us on the last. No, no, no.
0: I I I think I miscounted is what I'm saying. No, no. uh, Half price books is where I got it by the way. Okay. And half price books could have not. They could have not given. I couldn't have given them money to take it. (laughs) I mean, they 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 would probably would have given me money to to take it. Yeah. Like (laughs) fuck. It starts so good. Anyway, uh, (laughs) um, one of the leading themes in The Shining is isolation, as we've talked about. Uh, King does a great job of putting the reader in an isolated mindset and does this with a series of introspective looks into each character's past and the events leading up to that particular moment in the book. The characters often find themselves lost in their thoughts. The idea of isolation is present through all versions of the story as it is such an ingrained part of how it works. And I... I don't know. I feel like um, I feel like Kubrick does the best version of isolation and yeah. like kind of cabin fever. Mm. Um, if if that's the one like huge accolade that I'm going to give to that film, other than just like how it's an art piece, uh, I would say that it's the isolation is so well done. And like you you just like because it's big, open, empty spaces mm. like it is one of the biggest sets built at the time. And you really get a sense of like how. Big and empty. This stupid fucking old hotel yeah. is, uh, and how yeah. there's fucking nobody. in the winds just whipping out in, yeah. in the background. And I don't know. It's it's interesting.
3: Yeah, and the way that he builds that hedge maze that you get lost inside there, and mm-hmm. you're as isolated as yeah. it is. Yeah, that's it. Yes, that's, I mean, and that's how he killed Jack at the end. Yeah, like that's. Ultimately, the worst place you could get caught in a snowstorm is like you know in some sort of labyrinth yes, it's of a any fucking kind. Hedge <laughs> a fucking hedge maze, fucking hedge maze, and a haunted hotel.
0: Yeah, and that all those top down views that he yeah. does of the maze, like where it's right in that one shot where he has the panning down uh, mm-hmm. yeah. to to like Wendy and Danny in the oh. middle of the yeah. maze, and just like you realize how big this fucking thing is. Yeah, and I, I don't know, it's really because the how he got that was amazing. How did he get it?
4: Uh, they built. That middle bit Mm -hmm. in front of an apartment building and shot from the above of the apartment building, and then sort of added everything else around it in post.
2: Wild. That's cool. Didn't know that. That's
4: like how. Yeah. Yes. I have a load of weird weird facts about <laughs> this movie. Yep. You- like how it took 180 something takes to do something. Yeah.
2: <laughs> they, yeah.
3: they used over 150 doors whenever he was doing the like the, the firefighter thing. The, yeah. the like, <laughs> yeah. break through yeah. the door scene. I think it was 130 time or 130 something takes for the stairs scene where he's like she's swinging the bat at. Yeah. him. Mm. Yeah.
4: Yep. Yeah, Shelly Duvall hated it. Yep. Yeah.
3: It drove her crazy. Oh, and she was like, insane. She,
4: she hated yeah. Kubrick for years. Yeah, that's why I hate <laughs> That's why I hate Kubrick, because
3: so. of what he did to Shelley Duvall. Yeah, yeah. I'll never yeah, forgive him for it. It's fucking horrible she, what he did to her. I met this girl in line at Texas Frightmare last year that lived in the same town that Shelly Duvall currently lives in. And there's a uh, bowling alley that she goes to eat at for lunch every day. And one time, apparently, she caused such a ruckus inside this bowling alley That now she sits in her car in the parking lot outside the bowling alley, and they bring her her food in a to-go box. So that's what Shelley
1: Duval's up to. Yeah,
4: she was probably being asked about The Shining, to be fucking fair. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. no,
3: it's sad. Yeah, it it sucks. It. He was also
4: really horrible to Scott Mancrothers. Yeah, Mm. of course, Stanley
0: Kubrick is the worst. Like I said, (laughs) (laughs) Mayhem (laughs) Rodnell. But it is interesting the addition of the hedge maze because it wasn't in the book. Obviously, it yeah. wasn't in the miniseries. Right. The topiaries the was the
2: correct. Topiaries. The, correct, God damn, the correct version of plant based horror.
4: <laughs> yes. Correct yeah, the correct version, version of, the plant, of the Stephen King plant based mm-hmm. horror It's the topiaries and the corn. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yes. <laughs> God. Yeah. Uh,
0: there was a distinct lack of corn in, in this, <laughs> yeah. um, which I was disappointed by, but you can't really grow corn up in the mountains in Colorado. So, yeah. Well, with that and, attitude, and, you can't. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, you could have had a greenhouse yeah, in, in the hotel. Yep. Right. Oh, fuck! Just record. Fuck you, Stephen King!
2: <laughs> okay, so... Re- <laughs>
0: why
4: didn't... Why, why was fucking... What's his name? Not Isaac. Not that. I know. I was about it's to say just... that
2: there was also a distinct lack of characters named Isaac that are bad guy and True. have like a Billy Button fucking disease or whatever it is. Yeah. Benjamin Button. Whatever. Billy I don't Button. care. <laughs> Billy Button. <laughs> I was
0: like, Who the fuck is Billy Button? <laughs> I got that Billy Button disease. <laughs> <laughs> what,
2: what I was going to ask is, um, so I'm pretty familiar and I have some things to say about how the movie crafts isolation and how the miniseries crafts isolation. But do you get that same sense from the book? Does it also? Craft a sense of isolation? Yes. Oh, Um, very much so. Because it seems like there's so much dialogue, I feel like it almost might be uh, almost too much of an assault to the senses. Like, there's almost too much stuff going on to really feel isolated. How does it accomplish
1: it?
0: Well, like I said, so there's a lot of, like, thinking in your head in, Mm -hmm. in, in the book, and they'll start like a story of something that happened in the past, and they'll get so far into it when they snap out of it, you realize how long they've been sitting there thinking about this yeah. thing
1: hmm. and that's
0: like when you're when you're in isolation, you're sitting there by yourself, yeah. you get lost in your thoughts, and it's actually a really great Tool that he uses in the book to kind yeah. of f- like show, oh, they're really alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're really alone with their thoughts, and that's you know, because at the at the beginning of the book, until it gets to the weird shit at the end, uh, you kind of think it's just like all in their heads. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and that's that's the thing that I think he does really well is like at the end you realize, oh, there really was ghosts. Sort of. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, That hotel oh, actually nope, had there some were shit. ghosts. There <laughs> <was> ghosts. <laughs> They
0: were there. So, I think. I think
3: like a big thing that they build with the book too is just the like sheer amount of things that have happened in the hotel that give it this crazy energy, and how much that the the like weird like spirit of warmness makes them feel so detached from like the world that they know outside of the hotel. Okay, that's like, see, that's all the cool. And that yeah, happen that, and like, mm. all the things that have happened yeah. in the hotel, and like I think that definitely helps a lot. It's yeah. like the
0: hotel is drawing them in, yeah. enveloping mm. them. Yeah.
2: And you lose that a little bit, I feel like, because I certainly never got a feeling of warmthness. It It definitely feels like a very frigid film. I think the correct term (laughs) is warmthosity. Warmthosity.
4: (laughs) 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 Um, The hotel no like the good feeling, so it eats.
2: But definitely the best best version of it, as far as I feel like a lot of the isolation theme goes, in my opinion, is the movie. Because, uh, like you said, it's the use of the big open space and the big sweeping camera angles. That definitely is the most effective at crafting that feeling of just being completely alone yeah. and I don't know the way that it does it in the miniseries I really enjoy because it does dive into the characters a lot deeper and you get the sense that Jack is really isolated because of how fucked up he has yeah. made his family at this point and yeah. you can feel he's in the, like a really big hole yeah. and he doesn't know how to get out of that hole yeah and you get the feeling that um Shelly or not Shelly. Wendy. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, you get the feeling that Wendy is really isolated both uh, in her marriage and in, mm-hmm. like, you know, feelings towards Jack. And yeah. then physically isolated, just in out in the middle of nowhere. Just yeah. doesn't know what to do and tries everything to not be there. Yeah. And then she's the only one that thinks that that's a good idea to leave. Yeah. She's the only one. And she's like, well, then I guess I'll just go sit in the corner and be pissed off then. Yeah. Because... I don't want to be here. Yeah, and then Danny. I can relate. Danny definitely yeah, is very isolated. In I like a lot of the shots of Danny in the miniseries, like when he's playing outside, and then the like the topiaries start like encroaching on him. Yeah, I feel like that's a really good imagery, even if it's done in the in the worst possible way in the what miniseries. What are you talking about? <laughs> it looks so convincing, yeah. so real. Um, and then Danny so basically, real. Danny has the same feeling is basically any other kid that's ever seen anything weird and no one believes him. Yeah. And that's pretty universal. Yeah. You're like, I saw this thing, and the adults are just like, we don't want to hear either. about that right now. Stop. Yeah. This is this is adult time. Go yeah. away. And so that in itself is really isolating. There is a
0: lot of adult time in the book. <laughs> a
2: lot of adult time. A lot of adult time. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, I think that... I'm not saying my favorite is the miniseries. Again, I have not read the book. But I definitely like a lot of the way that things are crafted in the miniseries a little bit yeah. better than the Kubrick version. But the Kubrick version just does a lot of really good things to convey isolation and convey emotion without actually talking or actually delving yeah. into it in yeah. any real meaningful way. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which is which I mean is a skill. I mean you have it to a skill you have to be pretty Good director, regardless of yeah. how you might feel about yeah. him. Yeah. In I mean, order yeah, he's to a good actually... director. he
3: sucks, but he's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: but you have to have a certain, a pretty good eye and a pretty good understanding of like emotions and stuff like that in order to make a visual story like give you the same emotions as a literary story. Yeah. So I think that's that makes it stand out in mm-hmm. that
0: way for sure. I, you know. I think the miniseries would be a lot better if the pacing was just different. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, the
3: miniseries <laughs> follows the book so closely that if you do like that story better, then you should definitely read the book. Mm-hmm, yeah, and, there's, and there's also, like, there's so much... Like different forms of horror that the book takes on that mm-hmm. almost makes it more terrifying than the movie could ever imagine being. I don't
4: know. I have a friend who only likes the mini scene. <laughs> she absolutely hates the movie. Interesting. <laughs> because Interesting. she loves the book so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair, though. Different
0: it, strokes, different folks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what? You can like whatever the fuck you want to like.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's uh, all opinion. It doesn't matter. There's There's no way to define which one's better and which one's like not. Much. Uh, yeah, not worth your time or whatever.
2: I will say, definitely of the two, goddamn it! Like I hate. <laughs> it's okay.
0: We're we're gonna get deeper into each one. Okay. But, I just but, hate the overlook yeah. in
2: the miniseries. That's like the biggest fail. Yeah. Is the hotel itself? I agree. Fucking sucks. The hotel yeah. is definitely <laughs> the best done in the movie. Yeah, yeah for sure. Hands down. Oh
0: yeah, for sure. Uh, so let's talk about the movie a little bit deeper. Uh, first, I just want to say, I do love the movie a lot. Oh, yeah. As much shit as we talked on Kubrick, and as much as I say that I, I get why Steven uh, does not like the movie, it is still a piece of art. It's yeah. still very well done, mm. and I still really enjoy it. Um, so, in the late 70s. Stanley Kubrick, who was looking for a less plotting and deliberate film than his relatively low-performing work Barry Lyndon, (laughs) uh, started reading popular horror novels uh, of the era uh, to start looking for something worth adapting. After reading many books and throwing them against the wall in frustration after a few pages, Kubrick finally became engaged in The Shining and decided it was a a perfect basis for his next film. After a notoriously difficult production period, Kubrick's uh, vision of the Stephen King tale was finally realized to critical acclaim and commercial success on May twenty third, nineteen eighty, in the U.S. So, this is—I I think this is going to be the bulk of the episode as us talking about the Kubrick adaptation because it's the one that has the yeah. most stuff to talk about, I yeah. guess. Really,
2: and and the most following because yeah. I mean, yeah. this is the one you say, The Shining. That's what people remember. Yes. They they remember, where's, uh, here's Johnny. They remember yeah. fucking the, the weird dog scene. Everyone remembers yeah. the weird dog Everybody scene. Everyone <laughs> remembers that. <And, laughs> nobody every- was
1: prepared I mean, for
2: it. <laughs> and everyone remembers I mean, the, the weird, elevator of blood. But. Yeah.
4: The weird dog scene, the elevator of blood, and just the Grady twins scene has been yeah. like one of the most, par- like they're like some of the
0: most parodied scenes. Yeah, like.
3: all, of all time.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, how much are we
0: going to talk about that section from the Treehouse of Horror episode?
4: (laughs) I wanted
2: to spend at least... My
0: stepdad literally brought that up
4: before we started recording, going, are you going to mention The Simpsons?
2: (laughs) I wanted to at least spend 45 minutes on the scene from Twister when they're in the drive-thru, so uh, let's dissect that scene a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no.
0: Uh, We uh, definitely need to talk more about Twister in general because the suck zone. Um, (laughs) Ah, hey. (laughs) um, Yeah, but... I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know how he got so many iconic scenes in one movie uh, and like made it all work together and be f- fairly, very different from the book. And yeah. I don't know. It was just like one of those things where he, didn't he have like, a, didn't he have like a writer help him like kind of rewrite the story? I can't remember. Yeah.
3: I mean, he, he, he worked uh, fuck. a woman helped write the script for this movie and I can't for the life of me remember what her name is because I'm the absolute worst. Um, but she she actually passed away kind of recently too. Oh. His his uh his daughter had some hand in the production as well. She was pretty heavy on set. Um,
0: Diane Johnson. Diane was Johnson. Her thank you so much.
3: Yes. I'm the worst. But um, uh, I think that he wanted to bring in different like differing views because like Stanley Kubrick does create these really kind of bleak atmospheric movies, and whenever you're working with horror. You can do bleak and atmospheric, but if you don't like imply these really important, iconic, and eye catching horror scenes that people will have nightmares about for the rest of their lives, then you've suddenly created an un like a very very, very forgettable film. Right. Like mo- most people, when they see horror movies, like uh, take *Hereditary* for an instance. I'm sorry if you haven't seen it yet, but I'm gonna spoil something. Like, when Charlie's head gets just blown clean off, like, you remember that forever. Oh, that's yeah. yeah. Everyone's that's, seen that scene. Everyone's honestly. seen that scene. You know, you know exactly like, what's gonna happen, and regardless it still, like, fucks you up so bad and the first time you watched it, it sticks with you forever. And so, if you don't have somebody helping you write horror that knows horror and knows fear and, like, what causes fear in people and what makes them remember and just, like, Get that horrible reaction of, whenever they're thinking about it, then you've you it's not effective. It's not what you need to be doing with horror. And I think that he kind of was approaching it from the wrong angles at first. That's why it took them so fucking long to make this movie too. It took yeah. them over a year of production, which is just insane. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so like he he had to redo things and rewrite things and keep working on it as he was going along because he wanted to. Uh, shape these scenes that were going to be so effective that people will never forget them. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah,
0: and well, and part of it was that what well, part of the set burned down or something like that, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that just adds uh, time. Yeah, because you got to rebuild a set. But money. Jeez, I did
2: so Yeah, happened. yeah. Damn.
0: Part of it burned down.
4: Yeah.
2: Um, I don't know. For me, I'm trying to think how I feel about a lot of the movie and how effective it is as a horror film. I was thinking about this before we started, too. And again, we're we're desensitized to everything. So, I mean, nothing's scary anymore. I'm trying to feel like how I thought about when I first saw it. Um, I think legitimately terrifying moments to me that that always stick with me are more just the walking down the hotel itself and just a big, empty hotel. That freaks me out more than the twins, more than the, like... Uh, more than the weird, like, people in masks and stuff like that, yep. more than anything else, it's just that big, open, very visually overpowering space to yeah. the point yeah. that yeah. I go into any empty hotel now, and I'm like, oh, uh, shit, yeah. this sucks. <laughs> yeah,
4: not still- not- <laughs> It's not even empty hotels, because I have the same things, not even empty hotels. I can, be in a, I can just be going into a hotel and know that there are people there, mm-hmm. but if there are no people in the hallway yeah, right exactly. with me and walking into my room, I'm like... <laughs> was, yeah. Oh, and fun fact: I was in, well, on the in the hotel that I had to stay in before I came to Texas. My room number was two thirty-seven. Oh God! <laughs>
1: what are the yeah. oh, there hey. you go.
0: Um, I, you know, still to this day, the actually most unsettling scene to me, and this may be a strange choice, uh, but this is just where my brain is, I guess, uh, is the scene where he's riding the big wheel. Yeah, through the, the yeah. whole thing, and he's yep. going over, and he goes yeah. over the carpet, and then he hits the floor, and he goes. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Oh, I, love I the don't sound know. Design. Design. It's yeah. like the monolith, uh, monolith of sound that comes out of yeah. when mm-hmm. he hits the hardwood yeah. floor for whatever reason is just makes me go. <laughs> yeah,
3: I don't remember who it was that said this, but there's a a famous either it was either a horror writer or a horror director that said that horror lies in the buildup, like it lies mm-hmm. in that tension and that like what the fuck is going to happen when he turns a corner and they wait so long before they introduce the twins Mm. to you. And when they, and when they do like obviously the first time he sees them in the rec room and they just walk and like, look at him, Mm -hmm. look at each other, walk away Uh, again. What the fuck does that mean? What does it mean? What's going to happen now? (laughs) Like what, why are these people here? Like it's that like your brain goes off on this tangent of like, what should I expect? And then you never are ready for what happens. Like I'm sure nobody was prepared for two young girls covered in blood in this giant bloody hallway, even though it's like a flash imagery of what happened to them, you're suddenly thrown into a crime scene with children involved. Mm, And so like that's whenever you build up to a moment that big, that extremely, especially with those scenes with like a, you're like, imagine being a little kid, you're riding on a big wheel in a big scary hotel that you don't know is haunted yet because you haven't seen anything that bad. But it could happen at any moment. And you, as the viewer, know that you're watching a horror movie, but the person that you're watching has no idea. If that <laughs> happened
0: to me as a child, I would pee and poop everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would simply
4: leave the hotel and uh, freeze to death. I mean, I would
0: evacuate every orifice. Yeah. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm. I mean, the way Danny is in Doctor Sleep, completely understandable. Comple- yeah.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: Very understandable. Shit. Yeah, they really dove deep into his problem. I. I, if i start talking about doctor sleep i'm never going to shut up about it uh, <laughs> we'll get to it we will yeah. we'll, we'll get well, to it it is very important in <laughs> the shining universe honestly yeah, yeah
0: i don't have a a set section on doctor sleep cuz i haven't seen it i haven't read it yeah. mm-hmm. uh and i try to write about things that i know <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if we end up talking about it at the end that's cool yeah. too and i'm i'm fine with that like we'll talk about legacy and stuff near the end but yeah. uh, uh, i do i kind of want to talk some, about some maybe technical stuff that's what
4: i, um, I was about to ask what the other sound stu- design and the steady cam yeah, oh. the yeah Steadicam exactly steady cam yeah.
3: is so oh man have you have you ever if you've never seen behind the scenes of him operating that steady cam in that hotel with those actors it is it it makes you appreciate the way that camera like or like that like you know uh, camera directors work and cinematographers do right. the thing and like he built that rig. Like by like by his self, like he fucking you know pioneered the body cam rig, and that's insane to
2: me. Yeah, <laughs> and, and educate me really quick. Yeah, so like for study cam, how do, it's like it's like a big boom with like a seat on it with like the camera there, right? And
3: you have counterweights on it to keep it from leaning to any direction. Oh, while you're okay. Moving yes. it. Yeah, it's and, like a
0: big gyroscope. Yeah, mm-hmm. to keep the basically you you set this thing up and the camera stays in one place, but the arm moves around. Yeah. So that... Like a chicken head. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
4: Oh, it's just wait, like I've a seen this before. Set. Yeah, yeah. Yes. okay. So, I,
2: I thought I knew what it was, and now I know that what I thought it was isn't what it was, yeah. and now I do know yeah, what we're, not we're talking, talking about. about. The,
0: we're not talking about the big <laughs> seat rig for, like, the yeah. cameras. We're, yeah. we're talking about the... Uh, 'Cause that would be kinda what what is that called? What is uh, Not Dahlia, a Dahlia, Dahlia. Yeah. Dahlia. um no, yeah. The city is a thing where yeah, the, the camera stays in one place but the yeah. arm can move. It's so when you're going over rough terrain mm-hmm. and when you're walking around, you and don't get the walking them, yeah. in the camera it's, Right. It,
3: it's also much cheaper than building tracks for everything. Especially yes. if you're trying to get full shots. Like you can't mm-hmm. take like mm-hmm. if you've got a big track on the floor yeah. when you're trying to track something. Like yeah. the my the most memorable like scene that I can see in my head of him using it because the body cam rig is literally a vest with an arm coming out of your chest and it's this long tube that like almost touches the bottom or like almost touches the ground and then the camera sits almost right here in front of your face so it is a part of the you like when you're operating it like you have to be as in tune with your camera as you are with everything around you right. and so in in this shot where wendy like when she sees the all work and no play mix jack a dull boy for the first time and she's running through the actual, like, big lobby, or not, like, the big room in the hotel where he's riding. He's he's so close behind her, and they're snaking in between all of this, like, massive set pieces and have to come, like, run around a corner and then come to a clean, perfect stop before they can cut this shot, and just how many times they must have had to do that to get yeah. the movement just right. Hmm. So that way it's as frantic as she is, but with it still being, like, this professionally operated camera, too. So. Right.
0: Yeah. Basically before Steady Cam, what you to get a steady shot you had to have a doll like a track. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you'd had you'd have to that's what they call or a tracking crane. shot. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Or a crane yeah. shot. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um which is the thing you were thinking of as a dolly or a crane, the crane being yeah. the thing you sit Yeah, with, that's yeah, what I was thinking with the of. Camera. Yes, it was. Yeah. Um, and you
2: said this was the first film or one of the first films. It's one it was of one, the one of the first, first films. The guy the guy
3: that used it in the movie he... Like he built and engineered the cam rig, but The oh, Shining okay. wasn't the first one that he used. It was just one of the
0: first ones that okay. he used it on. Yeah, it was a pioneering film. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the Elevator Blood. Um, <laughs> that uh, boy. So that was a miniature, um, yeah. if I remember correctly, and uh, it took a. I it only took him three tries, but the setup for each try was. Extensive because it was I don't know how many gallons of blood it was. It was a lot. It was it a, was a lot. It was, it a, was lot. a fuck ton of blood. It was
3: almost almost three hundred. I want to say yeah. something like that. Yeah, I might be a overshooting it a bit. But three hundred
2: sounds right. How do yeah. they use that much for a miniature?
3: Well, when we're talking miniature. It's more like. Like not full size, not but like full about size. half size.
0: Like, yeah, about half size miniature.
2: Yeah. Okay, we're not yeah. talking tiny claymation no, 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 no. miniature. we're talking, we're talking like, no, like
0: about this. Song. We're talking Millennium no, Falcon
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. in like the original <laughs> movies yeah, <I> think, <laughs> miniature. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: because yeah, if it was too yeah. small, it would have looked fake.
2: Yeah, yeah. it would have <laughs>
3: looked like a doll set. Yeah,
2: yeah. you would have pulled the door open and go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I don't know I like it I think that would have worked it's, yeah. <laughs> it's it suddenly a Wes me.
3: Anderson movie <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's shot from like way up here yeah. and it's yeah, yeah. and yeah. everything's
2: centered and I can fucking hate it yeah. it's <laughs> pale and oh,
1: God. <laughs> and everyone's white everybody's <laughs> white
0: everybody's <laughs> white uh huh and if and if you're a person of color you're definitely the help yeah uh, oh. <laughs> yeah Goddamn, sorry Wes Anderson yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but no, the blood, uh, that was, obviously, it's one of the most iconic scenes, and it, uh, took a ton of, if I remember correctly, it took, like, a month or something to, like, reset it when they got it wrong, or some crazy well, shit like re- that. they had it and repaint yeah. it. Like, they couldn't just wash that off. Yeah, because it just <laughs> stained it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it reminds me of, um, the thing that the, uh, the hospital, the, 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 defibrillator scene yeah. from the thing yeah. where they got yeah. that wrong and they had to take a month to rebuild that yeah. because God. they started doing the piston in the head and everything went wrong yeah. oh, and they're like geez. oh well we gotta fucking rebuild this whole puppet fuck you, <laughs> <Yeah>. you <know?
1: laughs>
0: but it kind of reminds me of that like it, just the dedication that you would have to have to mm-hmm. just be like like you it's like okay we got one shot Oh fuck! We fucked it up. Yeah. <laughs>
2: oh, what? Did, oh fuck! Oh shit! Oh fuck! Oh fuck! What was the blood? What, was it just like corn syrup? Like they usually use oh, for fake blood? The
3: synthetic blood that they make in Hollywood is made oh, okay. out of like a bunch of they, different things. They it's, couldn't have
0: used corn syrup because it was it was not too viscous. Yeah, enough. no. Mm. Uh, it, it, it looked like cranberry juice to yeah. me. But. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
4: And pe- people often it does look kind of tasty. Eh? <laughs> I would have drank it. Yeah,
0: just dip a
3: little cup in it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, and uh, not to mention... Lads, yeah.
4: we drink in the, the Shining Juice. The forbidden oh, uh, Shining Juice m- m- tonight. Mr.
0: Mr. Kubrick, may I have a scoop of blood, please? Please, please. Yeah.
2: I'm just thinking about what if the, the the liquid inside the Kool-Aid Man was its own sentient entity, and that's it coming out of the, the elevator doors, yeah. and it's like finding a new host. First of
0: all, <laughs> we're all about poor Mantus here. Sentienty. Sentienty. Uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't understand, but whatever. You said, go synd-
0: on. You said sentient entity. Sentity. Scent- yeah. Oh, I see. Uh, okay. You just put them together and you got a new
3: word. God damn it. It's, <laughs> your, it's your word now.
2: I'll start talking about synergy here in a second. Oh, and, God. And brand marketing and fucking, right, I will go I, down I the rack. I, I gotta go. <laughs> <Ooh>. uh, <laughs> um, I
3: gotta I gotta fucking leave. I gotta go.
0: Ugh. But I don't know. Uh, one of the other things that I always thought was cool was the, uh, the old woman ghost. Yeah. I was thinking that too. In is that that yeah, her yeah. that her effects mm. actually
2: yeah. in both the Kubrick and I know we'll jump onto this later, but also in the miniseries they do the the ghost in two thirty seven really well yeah. in both of them. Yeah. It's really well true. executed.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that was a flawless transition from like or like how they like made her and like just finding an actress willing to do that in yeah. general. <laughs> like was pretty pretty incredible. I mean, The Shining was one of one of the first like theater-released movies that wasn't, like, you know, like an X-rated film Mm -hmm. that had full frontal nudity in it. Mm -hmm. That was not a thing people did back then, so that was weird. It was like, whoa.
2: Even Clockwork Orange was released originally as an X-rated film, if I remember correctly, which makes a fuck-ton of sense. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, 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 That movie is... Yeah, it almost (sighs) still needs to be X-rated. It's almost still (sighs) that level, at least, like, psychologically, and... Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah, we... We don't talk about
3: Clockwork. No. <laughs> I watched it enough times. I will never watch it again. Yeah. Same with Eyes Wide Shut. I watched it once. I, I watched it, not, it once and I never, never want to watch it.
2: Why no, the fuck no, no, would no, it? No. It's so fucking boring. I don't care all, about any of the themes in it. Yeah. It's one of the most boring movies yeah. ever created. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I'll
4: give you that one. I'm, I'm technically still reading a Clockwork. Orange. Oh no. Technically.
2: But you can understand the dialogue. I can't understand all like the oh, colloquialisms. No, I, can, I
4: can't understand <laughs> no. the
1: dialogue.
4: I have to go back to the dictionary every <laughs> time two, two words.
2: But it's like what it's like reading train spotting all in this like Scottish accent. Oh, You're my just God. like, kill me. I don't want to do this anymore I with my don't time. I understand.
3: It's just close enough to what I understand yeah.
2: without
4: being something I can't.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah,
4: yeah, at some point. James is easy to read.
0: Y'all are <laughs> <laughs> uh, At some point, it's almost like a James Joyce novel. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. Like, it's like, oh, okay. Uh, oh? <laughs> oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Is that how we're doing or, words now? Or fucking the Sound and the Fury. <laughs> and yeah. so I've read that.
2: See, okay, yeah, Chrissy, I challenge you to read Sound and the Fury because there's so much Southern American dialect that you'll put that down after like five minutes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah, you. That's
2: what.
4: I mean, I'm dating a southerner. Like, I I dealt with southern dialects while I was here. It's I the no. I'm, ta- I'm talking about
2: old tiny southern dialect yeah, though. Also, else. a guy that's basically a man child that uses different words for things and actually exists for words for things, and he doesn't understand how like physics works and misunderstands. It's a weird book. I don't understand <laughs> how
0: physics works. <laughs> uh, that no, could be me. Yeah.
2: I have a fucking. I have it. a baby. <laughs> I have a basic understanding of golf.
0: <laughs> well, I have a basic understanding of things falling on the floor when I drop them like an idiot.
2: <laughs> yes, my object permanent skills are off the charts.
0: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, fuck. Uh, God, uh, what else? What else? I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, what other things... Like, oh, yeah, the the we had mentioned it briefly, but the uh, the door... Oh, the yeah. axe door <laughs> yeah. thing, yeah. Um, mm. where uh, I guess maybe not a lot of people know this, but uh, Jack Nicholson was a uh, volunteer firefighter, oh, uh, let's and look at so that. they they were using. Fake doors uh, yep. in the real first... fake doors. Real fake real doors. Fake doors. <laughs> oh god! Uh, they, were, they were using real fake doors um, in the original takes of the the bathroom scene, mm-hmm. and he was just destroying all of them. He was yeah. demolishing all of them because he was a volunteer firefighter. He'd been trained to to axe down doors. Yeah, that's part of his training. Uh, so then they were just like, "Why don't we just use a real door?" Yeah, and
2: which makes a lot more sense than like I guess I, I guess uh, just a regular actor. I mean, I guess I wouldn't know how to, you know, actually down axe a down a door. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I've not been trained, because uh, I don't know how to use the axe with, like, the correct, Did you know, center of teach gravity and stuff. you that
0: in high school? <laughs> I've
3: been axing down doors since Fuck I was in out, third we'll grade. Fuck you, I would just smack a door yeah. with an axe.
0: No, I can't. You don't know me. I've been axing down doors since I've been shitting my own pants. Yeah. Which was just uh, yesterday. I was about to say, how yes. long ago has that been going on? Consistently. Um, yeah, but I... Have y'all ever seen, there's like a, there's great behind the scenes footage of like, of like him, like, him, like, building up like his, I I guess he's just like psyching himself up. Jack Nicholson psyching himself up before he goes to do the scene. Like he's just like, who, who,
3: who, yeah. (laughs) Almost hitting the poor assistant director in the face with an axe. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool seeing those behind the scenes shots do because like. Apparently, they had their, like, cinematographer operating the camera at first, but Kubrick's, like, perfectionism came into play, and he was like, you're not doing that right. So then there's a lot of shots of him doing the whip pan of, like, him hitting the door and then hitting the door, and it's just, like, Stanley Kubrick, just, like, the nerdiest motherfucker on Earth, just, like, following Jack Nicholson back and forth. Um, but just that whole, like, that whole room and, like, this, the feeling you get in it, there's, like, pictures of Shelley Duvall, like, smoking cigarettes outside that bathroom and, like, just how much you can look at the room that they created that it's just where all of this really, like, the red rum scene Mm -hmm. and, you know, just the, the acting scene, it's, you, you remember that and it becomes a part of that, like, a thing that you remember very well that you have nightmares about that, like, I hope I never get into a bathroom or a room like this because it's gonna make me feel bad. <laughs> yeah,
2: and then what was the one scene the you said that they had to do with, like the bar scene with Grady like a million times? Isn't that the one that you said they had to do like 178 or something?
0: Yeah, well, that that was one that they had to take a lot of takes. Uh, it took them six weeks. Yeah, uh, to do that scene. It's just
2: mm-hmm. dialogue. I don't understand. You have all these effects that take a long time. I could understand yeah. that Stanley taking six weeks.
0: <laughs> Kubrick, <laughs> do I need to say
2: anymore?
0: Like, do you, you understand? To...
4: Yeah. It, the, fact, um, the the ice cream scene either took eighty eight or one hundred and forty eight takes, and Scatman Crothers would literally like be begging to stop. Please, please. And, I can't. <laughs> and their, uh, their excuse for not stopping was Danny Lloyd, the little kid who played Danny, wasn't fast. He didn't care. He he seemed yeah. fine. So they didn't see it as abusing a minor you know, by forcing him to keep working. <laughs> yeah. So they were like,
0: the kid's fine. The kid's fine. It's all right. keeping on. But internally, he was screaming. Yeah.
4: I think it is. No, he seemed like pretty fine. Yeah. I think it is. He was the only person that... Kubrick wasn't addicted.
3: Yeah. It is oddly suspicious that almost everybody in that cast, other than Jack Nicholson didn't do anything other than The Shining. Like, anything else after that, too. Yeah. Like, Shelley Duvall stopped acting. Hmm. The the Grady twins were yeah. not in anything else after that. Danny Lloyd never acted in anything after that. I don't think Scantman Crothers was in anything after that, either. I thought he did some stuff either. after. I thought Danny I Lloyd? No, Danny Lloyd has one IMDb credit, and it is for The Shining. No, not Danny Lloyd. I thought oh.
2: Scantman Crothers did other things following know. The Shining. I don't
4: think so. I, don't. I can't remember. I think he took a long break. Yeah. Did it, right. oh, okay. I would, too. God damn.
0: <laughs> He went back to scatting because <laughs> <laughs> I mean I said
4: I think Shelly Duvall has done stuff since, but she definitely took a long ass yeah. break. I, yeah.
3: yeah, she's she uh, she's not doing so. I think she's doing a little better now, but she didn't do very well for a long it time. There was a lot so. of damage there. Lots sure. of damage. She,
4: yeah, she she had a huge addiction to something didn't she because of the showing uh, i think she was pretty sure i think she had an alcohol addiction oh she definitely suffered
3: from alcoholism for mm-hmm. a long time she she also suffers from like schizophrenia that she does not like take any medication for too so when Jeez. when she was treated like that i mean of course it's going to mm-hmm. trigger some really bad things and she went off her yeah, medication um, and no, no shit yeah,
0: it's bad yeah um what one interesting change which i think was a a good choice was uh, the axe yeah. instead of the roque mallet. Yeah. Uh, Denver like, croquet mm,
2: mallet. Yeah. That's
0: only in the miniseries. I yeah. don't care. A roque, it's the best thing. <laughs> it's roque, yeah. first of all. Yeah. Roque, which is actually predates croquet. Let's get into roque. <laughs> well, see, let's talk about this. No, but really, this is now a rogue podcast. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> a roque podcast. It's the most boring fucking podcast <laughs> of all time. <laughs> Apparently, roque was a, an Olympic sport. In like the like nineteen something something like early nineteen hundreds, uh, which is fucking stupid. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> no, I'm not surprised though.
2: Um, Hashtag bring back rope. Come on now, we yeah. need to get that back on the Olympic in the Olympic uh, games. I want to see. I want to watch that uh, t- twelve hours of that. Yeah. I want there to be a fucking uh, transatlantic tournament that happens. I'm dying inside. <laughs>
0: Listening to you talk. Uh, I hate this. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think, like, the axe is just more immediately threatening. Yeah. Um, I think that was a good choice to yeah. just be... It, they axed the rogue croc- the mallet. Yeah. Uh,
2: nice. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it, it's almost...
0: Can someone hit him for me?
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, but so, if it does work better, why do you think Stephen King changed it back in the miniseries?
3: Just to say, fuck you,
2: Stanley. Because it,
3: it was his, like, weird fucking, like, weapon to choose to begin with. I don't yeah. know.
2: I don't know. An axe is too immediate. Like, one-fourth think... trauma? Come on now. That's almost scarier. Like, well, fucking yeah. uh, blood, like, you know, internal contusions, blood welling up in your brain, getting concussions. I have concussions, a very good explanation. Like, actually smooshing heads. I have know? a good explanation.
0: Uh, because there is a scene in the miniseries and in, in the book where... Uh, uh, Jack hits himself in the face with the weapon that he's holding
1: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: so he can't hit himself in the face with an axe because that's, <laughs> one, that's one <laughs> yeah. hit yeah. Yeah. I,
3: I Think because the rogue mallet also has this like barbarianism to that, it too, exactly. where, like, that's, it's, yeah. it's so much more like it's just whatever he can find mm-hmm. versus yeah. like with the axe you're, He's probably looking around for something like an axe <laughs> But with the rogue mallet. It's like this is just what I had and like the the croquet or like the the like course also plays a mild part into Danny's horror. Mm. So I think they were just kind mm. of pulling pulling a little. See, but bit the thing is,
0: is if you use the rook mallet, you have to set up a garden sport. Yeah, <laughs> you do. <you, you laughs> <can make it laughs> yeah, and there's no garden because it's covered in snow. Correct. So that's just. Yes, come on. And anytime yeah. you got to set up a garden sport, that's just a whole plot thing. Yeah,
2: uh, yeah. They, they spend at least at least two or three minutes talking about Denver croquet. Yeah, and then Jack interrogates Danny later on when he says, "Wasn't he the inventor of Denver croquet?" And then, and then, then he gets to say, yeah. "How did you know about Denver croquet?" And I don't know. It's. Yeah. Might be my favorite part in the miniseries. <laughs> yeah, we've, I don't lost, know. we've lost every listener at this point because <laughs> yes. they're just like,
0: what the fuck what are they talking about?
2: <laughs> See, croquet is a sport where you have like a Oh a my whatnot. God. <laughs> no!
1: <laughs> um. Podcast of the Dead.
0: In 1997, spurned by his unhappiness with a definitive adaption of The Shining, King released the made-for-TV Stephen King's The Shining miniseries, uh, which we have already talked about in kind of detail, but we'll get deeper into it here in a second. Uh, It very closely follows the plot of the, the book with a few seemingly confusing, to me, changes to elements of the plot. Uh, at the time, it was highly acclaimed, <laughs> it even received Emmys for its pacing and atmosphere. However, in your sense, it's become painfully obvious that the goofy execution of many parts of the story leaves something to be desired, especially when compared to Kubrick's adaptation. Um, it's a, It's fucking goofy. That's yeah. really the best oh, way yeah. to put it. It's just, what the fuck?
2: (laughs) Okay, let me give you all some backstory, because I already gave you all a little bit of backstory at the beginning of when I first watched it. Uh, And so, when it came out in 1997, um, this is still, internet's not huge yet it's around it's not this isn't like prior to the internet no but it is still definitely in the days before the internet and so at least specifically with my family where you get a lot of your news and information about media is from tv like the 90s is definitely tv 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 and we were definitely a tv family Mm -hmm. and so uh stephen king had already uh at this point stephen king miniseries were a big deal you know, so basically where we saw a lot of stuff was, like, we watched Entertainment Tonight a lot. Yeah. And so, you know, you would come home, you would listen, to it's like, another Stephen King miniseries is coming out? Oh, shit. Yeah. And you know, that's going to be, like, a week-long thing where yeah. you and your family get to gather around be, the TV <laughs> and watch fair, the shit. <laughs> to be fair,
0: I did watch Rose Red when it came out, mm-hmm. and I regretted it immediately, <laughs> even as a child, and I was like... This is bad! But <laughs> this is it, it not wasn't,
2: good. It wasn't so much the actual story that we're telling, or w- wasn't so much the actual plot or anything it was more that oh shit Stephen King miniseries yeah. this is gonna yeah. be fucking right, sweet I guess, and I you get that, to yeah. watch you get to talk about it to like your friends at school or your friends at work like mm. the day after it came out and everything like that so that was the thing yeah. and so in addition to that not only did you have a new Stephen King miniseries when The Shining came out but you also had all this internal conflict yeah. between him and Stanley Kubrick being like his version sucks I'm gonna make my own version yep. it's basically a pre Twitter Twitter feud where they're just talking you <laughs> (laughs) Like between (laughs) like rival news like uh, outlets about why no this was wrong I'm gonna do it this way it's gonna be better and so you have this drama going on in addition to getting to see a new miniseries and so it like yeah it was an event basically miniseries back at that time they don't really exist anymore because now you have stuff like Netflix Hulu and everything where they stream stuff directly you know into your home and then you binge it and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah, Into your brain. But miniseries were pretty much that same type of thing, but with the added benefit of being from the TV era where it was something that they knew would keep viewers engaged and keep their ratings up and everything like that. So like yeah, it was an event. It was something to gather around, talk about, watch. It spur it just was a social thing more than it was just watching a piece oh, okay. of media, yeah. mm-hmm. and so that was what made it really important. And then you actually watch it, and this is the same for any Stephen King miniseries. Yeah. Then you actually watch it, and you're like, <laughs> "So uh, this is how I'm spending yeah. my time."
1: <laughs> <laughs> except for
0: except for Salem's
1: Lot.
2: True. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah the original
1: Salem's Lot, a- uh, yeah. the 2004 and- one. one.
0: It
3: was a very good miniseries. I I love the original It, mostly just because of Tim Curry. Yeah, exactly. God bless him. Mm -hmm. He played such a wonderful Pennywise. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say all of his miniseries are bad. I would say Stephen King has a very bad habit of thinking he can write and or direct for (laughs) movies of his adaptations. And it doesn't go well for him. He, what are you talking about? Maximum, maximum Overdrive <laughs> is one of the a, worst movies. Is a cinema so masterpiece. Bad.
4: It's so Ma- maximum bad. Maximum Overdrive it's not even fun. is the purest kino to a <laughs> <Yeah>. game.
1: <laughs> yep. yep. Stephen
2: King really does suffer from the same thing. That there's that... that Anecdote or trope or whatever you want to say Like every every musician wants to be a movie star Every movie star wants to be a musician So Stephen King is definitely He's the writer that wants to be a director He thinks he has the eye for it and he doesn't really. He yeah. does do a certain like. He understands his own yeah. work, but he doesn't understand like you said this. He doesn't understand what makes them scary. Yes, yeah. I,
0: I would say he maybe understands what makes them scary, but he doesn't understand what about that specific thing is scary. Yeah, in a he physical form. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> he like he's like he's like yes, it should look like this, and everybody's like no, no, it
1: should not no. look like
2: that. And the the uh, the where where you start. With the mini series of The Shining, where you start to decipher (laughs) how it works, how it. Just is yeah. the way that it is. Is the fucking casting? Yeah. Oh my god, it's the biggest train wreck. I that love is, it so much. The casting much. is always <laughs> catastrophically wrong. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Even yeah. when he, even the stand which had fucking stars in it, it had yeah. Molly
3: Ringwald and, and Kevin, Kevin fucking, fucking Bacon. Bacon. Yeah. And, and it, and it still, still went bad. It's yeah. So it
2: just went so sideways. And so okay, so, so let's let's start us. So you have Jack. You have the guy that plays Jack, who actually. To be fair, his performance in the Shining miniseries is really good. Yeah. It starts off really like really lukewarm, w- oh. but his uh, progression as Jack is so much more nuanced than Jack Nicholson's. You actually get a sense yeah. of like momentary lapses of judgment and just like a transition from being fairly okay, not okay, really not okay, yeah. batshit crazy. Yeah. You actually get like points point by point in that, and I mean I think that. Definitely translates the book a little bit better yeah. than yeah. the uh, Kubrick version does, but and even though I'm even though I just said that he did a really good job, I don't like the actor that did it, and yeah. he comes off as a dishcloth.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> sounds about right. Um, yeah, I I will start by saying that I there's a lot of things about the miniseries that I actually like mm-hmm. that I feel like it did right, but there's so much more that it got wrong. <laughs> yeah, that so it's good. just it's just like how (laughs) how did you get it this wrong and it's your own work it's your own but yeah no that is one thing is that the transitions from regular to outrageously insane is actually very good like Mm -hmm. there is a distinct series of events there that i think is is right
2: and what's really terrifying is I, I do love the part in the miniseries when finally, and you don't get this in the movie, you don't get the part where the hotel actually possesses yeah. Jack. Yeah. You never mm-hmm. see that you in the movie. You don't get the
3: information that he finds, mm-hmm. when, like what it does to his Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that was and so important in the book. That
2: part is really cool and at the end where he's no longer Jack, where he's more grady than Jack, yeah. or more overlooked than Jack, and he's mm-hmm. talking in old-timey speak, yeah. he becomes a lot more terrifying and the yeah. make it, makeup they use on him becomes a lot more terrifying. Yeah. He yeah. looks creepier shit. Yeah. But again, you still have all these scenes all in the, the beginning all the, all the where he's just so bad. Can we talk about Tony? <laughs> oh yes. No, first we have to talk about this version's Danny. Oh
0: yeah, that's this right. This
2: version's oh, Danny. No, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> oh man, this kid I, I'm sorry. Like, even you said, like, I don't want to, like, disparage a kid just by how he looks. But yeah. just his fucking, but you like... just want to punch him. Yeah, was like yeah. He has a really
2: punchable yet. face. <laughs> I think the um, actual thing that I said is, like, I feel bad about having to call a kid ugly. <laughs> but he but... don't
1: look good. <laughs> do you, do you remember
4: what, kinda... the, what, the, what the kid did after The Shining? What? He's the voice of Gus from Recess and Lloyd from Lloyd in Space. Wow. <laughs> well, so okay. Could... okay. At least All he right. had at least he had success A little bit of a this. career. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say he
2: stuck with my childhood a little bit more than, than I would have thought because I yeah. watched the shit out of some Recess. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that
0: was a daily occurrence for me. But incredibly punchable face. Maybe yeah. that's why he went into voice acting. He's like, I wish that people would stop punching me in the face. Yeah, uh, At least <laughs>
2: Again, mean mean to say about a child, but at least he got over his speech impediment nice. <laughs> to the point yeah. that he could do voice acting. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was due to just like the, his mouth shape, where his mouth was always open in every scene. I don't know why, <laughs> but he, yeah, I, I, I guess that's why he talked the way he talked. Yep. But I, uh, man, I feel I feel like an asshole
2: <laughs> mentioning any of this because <laughs> I
0: feel like it's mean, but. He, he, It's so distracting.
2: (laughs) It really is. It's so distracting. It really is the most distracting. Any any time that you feel like he should be saying something important or have like a critical scene, it just comes off as very comical because you can't help but be like, what is going on with you? you (laughs) I I,
0: I can't even count the number of times I was
3: just like, bad read <laughs> uh, also him being seven years old versus five years old that's that is so big of a difference yes. in like how mm-hmm. you would react to these situations yeah. that is so sad i also uh, uh i since having not seen the series of all the things i've consumed <laughs> um does it take place over the course of a like like long time like the
0: book does yeah the,
2: the miniseries does take place over the course of a long time yeah. it's not like a short thing it's not thing.
0: like a week well like the movie yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no no it's not a week like the movie but the timeline is shifted. yeah for whatever reason so like the critical day in the book is december 2nd yeah mm-hmm. in the miniseries it's december 28th interesting i don't know why uh, but, like, the, roughly the timeline, the timeline might be a little bit longer, actually, in the miniseries, uh, mm-hmm. which accounts why it's four fucking hours long. Yeah. <laughs> it's four and, uh, and but, a half
4: hours long. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, thank you! Yeah. Four hours
4: and 43 minutes.
0: Oh, nice. yeah. so yikes. A, com- a couple of things that, like I said when I was kind of introducing it, confusing changes to me. First of all, Jack in this has only been sober for five months, Mm. Um, yeah. Where has it had been years? It, w- it had been, yeah, it had been almost two years yeah. in the book that he'd been sober. And it wasn't breaking Danny's arm that kind of necessarily was the catalyst for him becoming sober, but it is in the miniseries.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's still an
3: important part of why he... I, I, yeah, like the, it, it the, is
0: definitely a large part yeah. of it,
3: yeah.
2: And something that you miss from the Kubrick one, because yeah. they don't really go into his former abusive Well, they, right. she
3: just says he dislocated his shoulder, yeah, exactly. which but is it, way yeah. less serious. Exactly, that's just yes. yanking the have I I've dislocated just my just shoulder multiple, multiple times. times. <laughs> yeah. it was like he spilled beer, he went to pick him up and he grabbed him mm-hmm. by the arm and lifted him off. And him see, that's and not malicious him. either. That's an
2: accident. Whereas yeah in... The mini series in the book, it comes off as it—it it was truly a, like a drunkenly no, like a drunkenly malicious thing to yeah, do. So he
3: like grabbed him mm. and like like almost like yeah. snapped his arm. But no, it was yeah. it was like Danny had spilled beer all over his manuscript he was writing, mm-hmm. and that was just it was just a parental reaction. But he was so drunk, he grabbed him so hard, and the kid was so little, mm-hmm. he broke his arm. But he was also three when it happened, so. Like, that age difference is so important.
2: So, mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. In the miniseries, no typing at all on the yeah. typewriter. Uh, there is no writing <laughs> of any play. No he doesn't write anything oh, in miniseries.
2: <laughs> Word
0: fucking one in the
2: miniseries.
3: <laughs> oh, man. that's That really, wow. It's, it's
2: very strange. You don't understand, because he says he's up there to write his play or whatever, yeah. but you never see him write his play. You only see him digging into all the, the newspaper clippings yeah. and then just kind of zoning out and talking to to no one yeah. and just doing normal jack things that we understand jack to do except for the just whole thing writing. that he went to the yeah. overlook to do Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and do we i, I don't even though in do any of y'all know why they changed the timeline because we talked about it a little bit no but, like is there any reason Steve does it matter Kenny
4: probably was just like yeah fuck it Fuck it,
0: make it longer. <laughs> uh, maybe he like done did more research into the climate of Colorado and was like, oh, it actually snows more later in the year than what I put in the book. Or maybe it's a comment on global warming. There it oh, is. Sure.
4: Maybe, <laughs> no, maybe it had to it, do it's with just like Stephen King. Oh. Yeah, yeah,
1: okay.
0: I know.
3: Maybe it had to do with something something to do with like. It's creepier if it happens right after Christmas. I don't
2: know, being no, like a family. Maybe that was or the only thing that I could think of. Yeah. Is that maybe they thought it made it scarier for whatever yeah. reason. It really doesn't. No. But anyway,
0: not scarier.
1: Not scarier. <laughs> after just much ado. Scary enough.
2: After much ado and a little bit of build up here. So in in Kubrick's version, Tony is uh, is Danny's oh, little uh, imaginary friend, yeah. and he's just a little man that lives in his mouth. Yeah, he's just a little man. And he speaks just by like, you know, twitching his finger. Yeah. And it's like and using a really weird voice. And the voice for Tony that the kid uses in the Kubrick version is actually pretty effective. Because yeah. it's really creepy yeah. to see coming out of that kid's mouth. You're just Danny like Tony
3: isn't here, Mrs. Torrance. Yeah, that's
2: not okay. It's no. very unsettling <laughs> and definitely adds <laughs> to everything. Uh, so what Stephen King decided to do was go the direct opposite way mm. and make it overwhelmingly comical and just have a floating boy with glasses going around. Tony. And appear in random times, and he looks exactly like Zach. Oh, (laughs) no.
0: Oh, jeez. Tony is a floating teenage me, (laughs) and I'm pissed off about it,
1: okay?
3: I think think that Tony might just be a pedophile ghost, I gotta say. I don't trust that at all. That doesn't
0: help me. (laughs) (laughs) There's no helping me in that (laughs) sentence you just said.
2: But... Yeah, the first time you see him is just uh, Danny's. Just, is it when they're at the the. Uh... Uh, not the Overlook Hotel, but the overlook of the area where, like, they they stop at that scenic rest no, point or something. The first time
0: you see Tony is when he's still at home waiting for Jack to come home from the interview. That's right.
2: Yeah. Yes,
0: which is also the first scene in the book. All the times Tony shows up is the same about when he yeah. shows up in the book. In the book, Tony is described as being far away enough to where Tony can't or uh, Danny can't tell what he looks like exactly or mm-hmm. how old he is. Yeah. Um, and then when he finally gets a good look of him. At the near the end of the book, it's not quite that he's an older version of himself, which is what he is in the yeah. miniseries, which mm-hmm. is fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's more that he's like an amalgamation of what an older him and his dad looks like. Yeah, I don't,
3: it's not. It's just him becoming his father. It's, right. It's kind yeah. of a sad break. And then you know you get into Doctor Sleep and like he becomes an alcoholic and he's yeah. violent and mm-hmm. he's you know. He's got all these problems, like, can't commit to anything. Like, mm. it's, it very much is just him seeing his own future and it, like, warning him against things that it knows is already going to
2: happen, right. so. So, such a cool well-thought-out character that had such a really nice, unique origin story Is now in floating the book.
3: pedophile ghost. It's,
2: it's, yeah, it's just this floating uh, Lego commercial man yeah. that <laughs> just sits yes. there. The and Lego it,
0: commercial man's better than pedophile ghost because of
1: the resemblance. Okay? <laughs> Can we
4: replace all versions of Tony in this with a, with a yeah, Lego Yoda? Oh A baby Yoda Ma- my Ma- Maybe no.
3: ghost Yoda
2: I like the idea more of like a Lego brick man Yoda That would come with a Lego set
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> like a le- If we're
3: really gonna do it, let's just fucking do it. <laughs>
2: or just an entire version of The Shining just out of Legos. But anyway, <laughs> hey. um, but yeah, Tony is a gigantic anomaly and it totally takes you out of the entire experience yeah. and you just sit there going like, what the fuck?
1: Yeah. Seriously, like
4: Stephen the first time said so- a version of Tony in corporeal cool, form would be a good idea. I don't know. I mean, I I have too have many no episodes of idea. Casper
2: the Ghost. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I, I
0: swear that probably the production team that was working on it first saw that shot and they were like, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I
2: hope no one do, no like Stephen King just did that all on his own he just whipped that out yeah. on the first like actual screening of it like ooh. He was just
0: smoking like for hours <laughs> in the
2: editing room like this is my masterpiece. Like <laughs> And then do you want to touch on Wendy Some I like the actress that does Wendy in this one, and I actually like. She's all right. I, I don't know. She does. She does a decent job. I'm like I said. None of the characters are really great. Yeah, that's the shitty part. I mean, is, I'm sure
3: they were getting paid next to nothing. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Let's be real here.
2: Um, What's lower than dog shit? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like though that they do have starting out. Wendy in this one does not get many good lines. Doesn't get the, many good reads. It's not until. That scene, um, where she's trying to get uh to be intimate. Yeah. Where they're trying to be intimate and then he's just like, No, I gotta read my fucking newspaper clippings where she finally loses it and actually No time starts-
0: for fucking <laughs> gotta read. Gotta
2: read. <laughs> no, no, it's that point when she starts really coming into her own as a character and then yeah. she uh shows a lot of emotion when um like pretty much every time after that, when anything happens to Danny, like yeah. after he goes into 237 and he is abused by a possible person upstairs, mm-hmm. and she does, she gets progressively more interesting, just as Jack gets progressively more interesting. And Which she gets,
3: sucks so much because she's so good in the book and she's so strong from the start. Yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you miss so much. You of don't,
2: that. you don't get that feeling yeah. from the actress in the miniseries. Yeah. I will say you don't get the feeling of of a uh, strong female character yeah. in horror. Yeah. You yeah. get she kind of comes off as whiny. In the beginning. Cloth, as you <laughs> yeah, said about the jacket, yeah, yeah the, they cloth are just a dishcloth family yeah. with their washcloth son. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh,
3: oh, man. That's you should title this episode. Dishcloth
0: family <laughs> with, the with their washcloth son. Dishcloth. <laughs> <laughs> with a wise guy, Oh, God, that is one of the best quotes from this fucking <laughs> yeah. podcast. Yeah. Uh, are, we,
4: Andy, are we all just going to end up making our merchandise like Isaac quotes? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Hell yeah, God damn it. for sure. Uh, man, just his rant about killer clowns. <laughs> yes, please. Would just fill up the front and back insides of a
4: t-shirt. Uh, and so inside. the whole and inside. Is, like the Shrek and, like, <laughs> movie script shirts.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else specifically that I really want to focus on on the miniseries the,
0: the pacing is strange it's mm-hmm. really
2: it does really suck it,
0: I, it's because I think of the way they broke it up episodically the first half is really slow mm-hmm. and the second half is a lot better
2: yeah the second half is really good it definitely is night and yeah. day because I mean we we started watching the first it's on two tapes we have it on VHS yeah. so that's how we watched it like, like you're supposed to yeah um, <laughs> as God intended yeah <laughs> Um and like I could tell that you hated it after that first tape. You were fucking done.
0: I you was. <laughs> I, I probably had a vaguely disgusted look on my face. Yeah. Yes,
2: <laughs> but then like almost from the get go of the second tape, it actually picks up really quickly. So it does a good job in the second in the second act. Yeah, which is which is good. I think the biggest failing is in all the effects and all the sets. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think oh, as it. bad as everything, I feel like
3: it, and the plot, and the characters, and also the way they filmed it. And uh...
2: <laughs> the worst part about the effects is they have all the ghosts and stuff and everything, and they're not scary. They yeah. don't give you that sense of they just jump in out of nowhere whole, like in the, the Kubrick version. Like, you, know like, you know what
0: I mean? The whole scene mm-hmm. should be scary. It's and, like not should be like looming of like it should be looming terror the whole time, yeah. and it's not. Yeah, yeah. you have
2: Stephen. King fucking heading his doo-wop band, yeah. <laughs> and just like these, Ooh. just people that are not—they might be slightly translucent or whatever—but they're still just normal fucking people yeah. in period dress, just dancing around, yeah. and then all of a sudden they completely just fade away. That's There's it. nothing scary about that. Yeah. Like it
0: definitely would be at least twenty percent scarier if Stephen King wasn't such a fucking weirdo in it. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like just. Just the fucking just head bobbing <laughs> that he does in it. I just, I, I, I was so taken aback when I saw that. I was like, "Oh, this is his appearance." Oh, in it? Okay, wow. yep. that, I hate that. <laughs> the master of horror. This
1: yeah.
2: is Thanks, him. Just not motherfucker. <laughs> and then the biggest failing, the absolute biggest failing of the miniseries, is the Overlook Hotel itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yes. uh,
3: and the saddest part is they filmed some of that at the Stanley. Yes which is mm. like how do you fuck it up that bad yeah well, like it, not all the, the ex- entire... yeah, yeah all
0: the, like the exterior shots are like at the Stanley at the the, the Stanley hotel, hotel that it was inspired by originally.
2: really yeah, yeah. Mm. oh my god
0: yeah
3: and they built such a bad set for the inside yeah the that, ba- like, the,
2: the inside <laughs> oh, just looks terrible. Yeah. Like, it looks terrible like it's yeah you don't have Like, so much of the use of space in Kubrick's is what makes the environment scary. And you have none of that in the miniseries because it looks like a grandma's living room. (laughs) That's what the entire thing looks like. And that's
1: not
3: even, like, what the inside of the Stanley looks like. Like, it's, it's such a weird, like, the Stanley is scary because it looks like 20 people decorated it on the inside. 20 different people with 20 different directions. There's like mm. old-timey stuff in one room and then one room is actually pretty cool. It's all like like shining related and like just mm. stuff they have in there. And then the other room there's like a miniature version of the Stanley like in the front lobby. And there's like copper everywhere. And then you go upstairs and all the hallways and like the rooms and stuff are different. Which was so interesting in Kubrick's version is that all the hallways are different, all the carpets are mm-hmm. different. Like you get a different feeling on every floor, which is kind of how the Stanley is. Like it's there's only two or two or three floors to the hotel itself, but it is such a weird it's like all really white with these like kind of burgundy accents. And it just doesn't very much make sense. They, mm-hmm. they, they scrambled all of the room numbers on all the floors. So, like, the, the hotel itself is creepy, and then it's also just, like, haunted as fuck on top of that. And so. where,
2: when did they originally build the, the Stanley itself? 1917? 19- Something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think. Did they build it with the intention oh, of being creepy as fuck? Like, why did they build it that way? I,
3: I have... Uh, 19- 1909. Okay. This is, this, is, this is a shirt that is, like, from Stanley, so it's just bearded since 1909. So but, is there any
2: indication of why they built it that way?
3: Um, I don't know, honestly. I know that it was, like, they built it smaller at first and then wanted it... I think that they, like, made up the decision to make it a more, like, high-class hotel mm. over time because it was, like, first, it, you know, there's no way to get into Estes Park unless you... Like especially during the winter time, unless you have like a snowplow, like it mm. it snows, you're in the mountains and it's in like a bowl, like it's a basin, pretty much.
0: So they built onto huh.
3: it. So they built kind onto of, it, kind a of lot. like our stupid house. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> they just kept building onto it. It didn't make much sense. And like it, like the the basement's creepy. Like the uh, we were down there for a ghost tour, and I walked off into this cove, and I just I hear like noises ahead of me, and it and it's got this like shelf in the basement too. But then I just hear what sounds like somebody like army crawling on the ground towards me in this like dark fucking room. Mm. And I'm in there by myself. Like it's, it is a creepy place. Like you just get this weird kind of like jumbled feeling while you're there. And there's like four or five different buildings on the property too. And they keep all of the mattresses that people have died on on the property in a, like a, a storage container mm. on the property. Oh, so that's like dead, dead people oh That's the dead people bedroom. So, yeah, that's, that is just like dead a thing that Dead meat went they into
4: do. the dead people dead room. Yeah. Dead, really? Dead meat oh were gosh. allowed in there on their ghost tour because they, um, uh-huh. there was a ghost tour done at the Stanley and like a whole promotional thing for Dr. Sleep. Mm-hmm. And Dead Meat went on it, and they were invited into the Dead People mattress room. Dead,
3: dead People oh, God, Jeez. I wish. I watched the Ghost oh, Adventure yeah. episode when they did, when they yeah, were there, a, and the I was Ghost like... Yeah, the Ghost
4: Adventures episode what? as well, that's... It's... Uh, I love it It's Ghost a good Adventures. episode. I'm not going to lie, them. I love Ghost
3: Adventures. <laughs> it's one of my favorite shows, so when they went to the Stanley Hotel, I was like, oh, my heart could not someone be Someone else more who full.
4: loves Ghost Adventures. <laughs> I love... I, it
3: is one of... It has been one of my favorite shows since I was like
4: eleven. I have (laughs) noticed the American hotels especially have that Stanley feel of jumbled rooms in just nothing feels right. Through watching loads of Ghost Adventures episodes in hotels. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. American hotels just shoved everything together. How would you
2: have a hotel be made? How are British (laughs) hotels? They're little matchboxes that has a fucking TV in the corner in the middle of London that only plays You Only Live Twice 24-7. That's my experience with a London hotel room.
1: Next t-shirt. It all seems wrong. It all seems wrong.
4: Hotels are just
3: inherently creepy places. All
4: hotels are just like normal Yeah. Oh, like, it. It like, every room is, like, laid out the same. It's yeah. decorated the same. same oh, carpet. I see. Okay. Boring.
1: <laughs>
3: Come over here and get your ass haunted at one of our hotels. So, I, there are actually so many haunted hotels. There, in the UK, there
4: are though. loads of haunted hotels. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, I want to do. Let's go to the Stanley. Fuck it. Oh, yeah. One,
2: one quick thing about the Stanley I want to get onto, because we didn't talk about the Stanley too much in, in, in the early part, and I'm fascinated by this, because I don't yeah. know a whole lot about it. Um, how many. Like, egregious events took place there.
3: I know I know that some like a, a woman definitely killed herself in one of the rooms and mm-hmm. that was who like the the woman in the bathtub was based on. Right. Mm-hmm. of. So, yeah. I know that a little girl died there a long time ago. Ah, uh, you know, I haven't done as much research into the ghosts as I should have. No, I was I, just curious. I was just yeah, kind I know. of
2: trying to see like it's a real life I, I I knew it was based on a real life place, but I didn't yeah. really know it was based on real not just ghost. a real life creepy place, yeah. but a real life place with creepy backstory yeah. as well.
4: Yeah, just the ghost adventures episode it was
1: <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Yes.
3: It I know that I know that some Died down in the or like somebody that worked there like either died on the property or he died down in the basement. I know that the uh, what the guy that uh, like opened the place, whatever his name is, Stanley, he haunts the place and oh, wow. his wife haunts the place.
0: So that's like, crazy. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's, Hell yeah. yeah mm-hmm.
2: See, I didn't. Yeah, like I said, I didn't know any of the backstory of the place it was yeah. based on. So that's fascinating.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk a little bit like about the legacy of The Shining and just how it's affected things that came after it.
1: Because mm-hmm.
0: uh, I think, like, obviously, I think the Kubrick adaption has a lot of impact. Uh, like, mm-hmm. like, as you said, you were saying, like, there's no way that it couldn't have affected, like, Stephen King's miniseries in some way. There's no
2: way. I, I yeah. can't imagine that there is, because he, just like everyone else at the time, saw it. So, and I don't, uh, maybe this isn't the same with everyone else, but, you know, anytime you see a piece of media that piece of media, you know, it becomes a part of you to a certain degree and you internalize what you thought was interesting about it, just like we talked about, we can't go into hotels without thinking hotels are creepy. Yeah. And the what imagery we think is interesting, what imagery we can't we don't think is interesting. So Stephen King saw it just like everybody else. And he can dislike as much about how the story was presented as he wants. Mm-hmm. But there's no part of him that probably couldn't see a lot of the imagery And a lot of the way the characters went and stuff like that. And couldn't... Like, I can't imagine Stephen King sitting there and being like, this was totally bad. I don't like anything about it. You know (laughs) what I mean? Insignificant. Yeah, there was something... There was a lot there that he must have enjoyed enough to even want to remake it. Because if if he just disliked the whole thing, just be like, yeah, that was shit. Read my book. You know what I mean? He, He felt like there was a reason to go back to it and answer to some of the things. But he still kept... I I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but there was definitely a piece of the Kubrick Shining in the miniseries and in Stephen King, Mm -hmm. for him to even care enough to like cause a beef about it. It was
0: at least something that was just nagging at him
2: for years. I
4: I think it had
0: a lot to do with
3: like Kubrick lying to him about how he was gonna make the movie. Yeah.
4: (laughs) If it was now Stephen King would just write a scathing tweet on Twitter.
3: Right, mm, Oh, yeah, that, that man, his Twitter,
0: <laughs> yeah, and he and he sometimes
4: takes many takes, many takes. Good. Yeah. Yeah. but it's
0: not John McAfee's or <laughs> uh, McAfee, Ma- 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 the guy who who oh, used John to McAfee. run like McAfee, McAfee yes, McAfee, yeah. yeah, it's not his Twitter. His Twitter is
3: outrageous. <laughs> There's plenty of worse Twitters, but Stephen King's is pretty bad. Yeah. Love him to death, but yeah, I see when it comes to like influence. Obviously, as somebody that like whose entire left arm is dedicated to The Shining. I have numerous amounts of, like, collectible items from the movie, and it's it influences a lot of my life and me as a filmmaker. I think that just the the fact that The Shining was so impactful to me the first time I watched it, I'll never forget that. Yeah. That's, mm. like, I, I I remember the day I watched it by myself. I was, you know, just interested in getting into horror. I had read the book, and I loved the book. And I was like, cool, I'm going to watch this movie now. And I just, I felt like it crawled into my brain <laughs> and just stayed there forever. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was, it was a movie that was so well done in its visual impactfulness and how iconic of the characters that they created. The fact that they, like, built this entire world that these people lived in for so long and were tortured in for so long. It just, like, it almost feels like a cursed movie in a way. A like bit. there's so yeah, many. And, and there's mm-hmm. so there's so much that happened because of that movie and it's spot like, you know, um just so so much that was influenced after that, where, you know, people can parody it where you're being really literal, which is just kind of, you know, that's that's a given. But there are so many movies that were so silently influenced by the shining. Mm-hmm, yeah. Horror was changed forever. It was never gonna be the same. Yes. People were okay with the more long and drawn out and atmospheric and, like, dark and seedy and kind of, like, I-, I don't know, it didn't have to be all blood and guts and slashers, like, it was, which, like, there's nothing wrong with that, but y- you whenever you get horror that, like I said, crawls into your brain and it lives there and it never leaves, like, mm-hmm. I, honestly, I'd say the closest thing we've had to The Shining since it came out is Hereditary, like, people, mm-hmm. I agree. people yep. compared Hereditary a lot to The Exorcist, but it was 100, it was 100% The Shining to me, like, those people are isolated in their insanity you can't tell throughout the whole movie if anything's real or not or Mm. if these people are just experiencing these things and it seems real to them and it, like, everybody thinks the other one is more crazy than the last.
2: Yeah, and just yeah. like Hereditary, it has all the, the familial or, mm-hmm. the like, the, the interpersonal drama. Yeah. The only other thing that I've seen that comes close to kind of, like, this, the book of The Shining. That yeah. Neither the miniseries or the movie, I feel like, do, like, that to the utmost, the way that Hereditary does. Mm-hmm. That's probably the best one I've seen contemporarily. Possession comes close. Possession? Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. As far oh, yeah. as, like, just, yeah. like, people at each yeah. other's throats and just, like, yes. fucking yelling over each other like, the entire time. Like, you don't know time.
3: who's the monster, the hotel the uh, jack or you know like the shining or tony even tony can even be seen as a Mm -hmm. monster like you don't really know what the source of evil is because it can come from so many
1: corners.
0: i will say i feel like there are a couple other films that kind of have the same sort of feeling of like a slow boil that are horror movies that did that are really good that i feel like came before the shining that have sort of the same dna and i would say like wicker man no, uh, has kind of yeah. that feel to it. I would say Rosemary's Baby has kind of that feel yeah. to it, like because Rosemary's Baby is like almost three. Rosemary's fucking hours Baby long. was. Mm. For The Shining, the omen's got a bit well, of. Well, that's what I'm boils. saying. i
4: not no. saying oh,
2: okay. the omen's good. I agree. Yeah. I agree. With yeah. Yeah. the I, omen's I, really saying... good as far as like a good boil and like creepiness. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I'm saying that I, I don't think The Shining necessarily is like that that quintessential film that like introduced the idea of like a, a more uh, deliberate pacing yeah. in like a horror film. But I yeah. think it's the one that perfected it. It perfected
3: it, and it made yeah. a general like a, or like a, a broader audience be okay yes. with the concept of like. Letting it happen slowly. And that's
2: where I was going to go next, is I wanted to hear y'all's opinion on other movies that are genuinely scary, that were extremely popular at the time, have maintained their popularity, and are as visually iconic as The Shining. Because I can't think of any other... Single horror film that kind of ticks all those boxes. Because yeah.
3: recently,
0: I would say Midsummer. Midsummer. Well, okay. yeah. Honestly,
3: Ariaster just anything
0: he has. Mm-hmm. That's now, tr- that's like, true. I agree. He has mastered that. I would say Ariaster is probably the closest to like a modern day Kubrick mm-hmm. as far as like yeah. the way he does mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Uh, just because he is very deliberate and like his visualizations of things yeah. is, are is like astounding. But I'm thinking well,
4: more of like Legos. I mean, Eggers yeah, like, yeah. yeah which is witch
2: is really good. Yeah, Eggers, that's true.
3: Eggers creates experiences like he doesn't just make movies like you watch a movie like the lighthouse and you feel like you've been through an experience. That's mm. not just you watching a movie. Like I said, it crawls in your brain. And it yeah, fucking lives I'm still there. waiting yeah. for the
4: cinema release of the world. Oh, lighthouse. my
3: God. <laughs> Yeah, I'll watch. I'll watch eight more hours of that. I don't care. Like, <laughs> it doesn't give me a come out here
4: the end of the month. And I am oh, no. Pissed.
2: No, and see, God. and I agree with all of that. There's yeah. nothing that y'all just said that I disagree with. Yeah, but, but the I'm, I'm thinking rains. of older ones, yeah. that, like older movies that are still in popular consciousness. Like I mean, other than
4: you, the, the Exorcist. Exorcist and the Omen,
3: yeah. for Sure. You, 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 think Omen,
2: Ex- yeah. you think the Exorcist hits that? Yeah, Exorcist yeah.
3: ticks all those boxes. I like yeah. I I could watch the Exorcist now, and it will still instill fear on me, and it's iconic like yeah. yeah. enough
4: with a anyone. lot of. About yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an iconic horror movie, and everyone talks about just basically every scene in The Exorcist. Yeah, yeah. Exorcist.
2: Yeah. And yeah, go
0: back true. and watch The Exorcist and think about how kind of more deliberate the pacing is than you remember it being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it's because you remember all of the really intense scenes in that mm-hmm. movie that you don't remember how how long it takes to get to that. True. Yeah, I mean that's a
4: real slow build up. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot slow. of shots of uh Georgetown. Is it?
0: I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's a um,
4: lot of shots of that, and just a lot all of, the shots subliminal, of Chris McNeil.
0: Yeah, and mm. all the subliminal imaging mm-hmm. and stuff in it, and just how just unsettling that movie is the whole time until like the yeah. most climactic. It feels parts. like you're
3: being hmm. possessed as the movie goes on, yes.
0: which is effective as hell.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably. Pr- yeah. Probably the best corollary to The Shining. Yeah. That's probably the only other one that I think ticks every single yeah. box. Because mm-hmm. what I was going to say earlier is like, yeah, everyone knows Jason, everyone knows Freddy, but not all those movies are good. Yeah, they're just <laughs> like, fun. That's yeah. just, yeah. That's just <laughs> cult. cult. There's
3: a difference between cult horror and art
0: horror. True. I will say mm-hmm. there's a
3: big fucking difference. And mm-hmm. I love both the same, but art horror with like, you know, movies like The Shining and Hereditary and mm-hmm. like, you know. Uh, they're important because they show people that there's so much more to horror than what you think it is like there's you can take horror and deal with these extremely traumatic and horrifying things in life like get out with just blatant fucking racism Mm -hmm. you can you can make a horror movie about it where it's not that like you know the black man is in peril the whole time and there has to be a white savior where it's like this this is a real thing that happens to people mm-hmm. that they experience just in this amplified and like o- almost unrealistic form jacob's mm-hmm. ladder jacob's ladder is a I think, very good one I think, yeah. yeah i think Fuck jacob's ladder, ladder is like that yeah, yeah.
0: it's very much like uh, the the kind of things that people experience all the time when they have those sort of traumatic experiences mm-hmm. and they and they go through that mentally all the time and people don't realize like what they're going through yeah. that i think that that movie is really good about it too yeah
2: and see the only the only uh Exception I'll make to Jacob's letter is I agree with everything you said about it. The only thing about it is I will say that it's not going to come up first when you're talking to just regular people yeah. about the horror that's movies. True. <laughs> that's yeah. the one thing. Like that's yeah. why it,
0: it's a deeper cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think yeah. Shining
2: yeah. is really important for that reason because yeah, and The Exorcist too because they are mainstream and not just mainstream horror, but mainstream actual psychological horror, yeah. like well written, well made horror. Because mm-hmm. a lot of well uh, mainstream horror that's not really necessarily well made. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it's, um,
1: yeah. 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 Yeah.
4: Look at look at this new grudge adaptation. I'm going to see I've, it tonight.
3: It <laughs> got an F <laughs> cinema score rating, so don't expect much.
4: Hey,
2: last movie I saw in theaters was Cats, so I'm prepared.
3: Yeah. Oh, oh my god, I don't even want to <laughs> see so that ironically. So, now so that's, so a that's a, a
4: horror movie. <laughs> the last I, movie I saw was Rise of Skywalker and that was fucking horrific? Oh,
1: oh I loved on, it. Man. I loved it.
4: You're the only Star one here that didn't Wars, like it. I oh, uh, fucking hated it. Uh,
0: <laughs> uh, I, I will say that I, I matched with somebody on Tinder recently and I opened with, have you ever seen C- Cats? That shit's crazy. Uh, I don't know how that film was fucking made, but it's kind of impressive and then she didn't respond. Uh, I can't okay, imagine why. Okay. <laughs> uh,
4: I'm kind of mad they haven't pulled it yet to do all that fucking like Sonic level redesign. I think oh they're just God. waiting for like the DVD release. To oh do no, that. they
3: they did. They pulled it from the like they pulled it from theaters yes. and then re-released it.
4: Oh, they, they, like, oh, yeah, they pulled it here. That. It's still the same oh, horror No,
3: they CGI. pulled it here. Unfor- like it, They gave us another different form of the movie. Oh, did your pen break? I pr-
2: I broke the pen I was fidgeting with, and now I have <laughs> ink all over everywhere. my
4: hands. <laughs> Been there. Been there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay, that's a good segue. Let's talk so about something else. <laughs> we, were
4: to see ca- we were meant to see cats, but we didn't. Uh, Fucking uh, jer- Simon didn't want to get drunk with us. Oh,
3: yeah. there's no way to enjoy
0: it. If you're not, drunk. Come Shit. On. or high on shrooms.
3: I oh. no, I read an article that said, it was just called this man took mushrooms and went to see cats. So you don't have to.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it
3: is a terrifying article. I was like sweating. while I'm, I was reading it.
0: I'm sure it's a vice article. Uh, <laughs> anyway. So uh, out of the mini series, the movie, the book, what's some of our favorite moments? Uh, Ooh,
3: I, I, I said my favorite moment from the book at the beginning with the wasp nest and everything. Mm-hmm. But I think my one, one of the scenes that stands out to me the most in the book because it, uh, everybody in in the book experiences a lot of the horrors very separately until towards the end, once they start to experience it together. And there's this scene where um, uh, Jack and Danny and Wendy are still kind of on the same team. This is right before things become more unhinged, but they're all starting to see that this place is haunted. Um, the elevator is, like, being fucky. Yes. And then mm-hmm. it lands on their floor, and when it opens, there's just, like, streamers and party hats. Mm-hmm. In and for some reason, that scene scared me so bad I don't know what, I think it's because of the dichotomy of, like, these are very happy. Like I said, that, like, ghost of warmth in this, like, really cold and isolated place. Mm -hmm. It stuck with me, and I think about it all the time, and just the way it was written, and where it was put, and how effective it was. That, that hit home. The way they do it in
2: the miniseries is the elevator literally stops on the floor, the uh, thing opens, and it's like... And just uh, like streamers come out like oh, one time, no. and that's it. <laughs> no, goofy that's fucking no,
1: god. Oh, goofy fucking, it's amazing. Why <laughs> <Jesus laughs> <Christ>, Stephen <laughs> King? What the fuck?
4: <laughs> Why would you do that, <laughs> Chrissy? I can't remember shit from the book. I'm not gonna lie; it's been a while. Um, that's okay. There isn't really a good any good shots in the fucking miniseries. Oh yeah.
2: come on now! Hey. <laughs> so, so
4: I'm gonna. I'm going to go with just that shot of fucking Dick Halloran laying in the bed, like, like m- screaming <laughs> mentally. No, oh, yeah. Uh, like, that's just a beautiful shot and it makes me very uncomfortable to look with at.
0: Yeah. both opposing walls having big, huge portraits of naked women. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yes. What a powerful
3: scene Mm. for nothing really (laughs) happening in it. It is a powerful scene. It's like
4: nothing is really happening. Just a man is lying there with his mouth open, looking terrified. Yeah. And then it switches to a little kid. Now, what's going on?
0: Yeah, that is a really effective scene. It's very good.
2: Yeah. Um, Isaac mini-series. I, <laughs> I, I, I love how long it takes. We get the full character arc of uh, Dick Halloran going from point A to point B. We see every bus stop. We see every airport. Town we see in the, <laughs> Town yeah, in the I know. I'm yeah, saying, uh-huh. it's so good. I love it so much. It is what makes it four and a half hours <laughs> long. <laughs> 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 okay, ink hands. Yeah, <laughs> I know. God, just <laughs> um, went over here. Um... Also, miniseries. I do like when Jack finally goes crazy and is more hotel than Jack. That's yes. my favorite in the miniseries. It's done really well. He's really creepy. I do like and it, that it's scene, really yes. effective, and I like that a lot. Um, as far as the movie goes, like every, like all my favorite moments in that are probably like the same favorite moments that everybody else has. I yeah. like, I like, you know, all work and no play make Jack a dull boy, and probably the favorite is definitely the. The staircase. Yeah. The, well, the, the fight with the bat. Yes. You know what I mean? That's We're like the, that's the yet. most, the most charged scene yeah. in the whole movie. Fun
0: story about the uh, all work and no play. Uh, they filmed a whole bunch of different versions in different languages with different phrases from different languages that meant kind of a similar thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember how many languages they did it in, but they actually printed out a whole bunch of different versions yeah. mm-hmm. with different sayings, mm-hmm. so she did that like yeah. a million times. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> and, and Stanley Kubrick made a
3: like production assistant type out 237 times. All the all work and no play like that's yeah. that was like he made him hand type all these out in
2: a fucking. If I'm typewriter. getting paid for it, that's fine.
3: I mean, if Although, Stanley Cooper asked me to do it, I'd be like, "Yeah,
2: are you right, getting okay. paid enough?" Though, yeah,
1: enough. no, probably for the mental not. Anguish.
2: The shittiest probably, part, like, <laughs> the shittiest part, is if you make one missed keystroke and you have to go back with white out because it's an old fucking well, timey type. But it's all
3: it's all like jumbled and fucked up anyway. So I don't think that. <laughs> oh, matters. it wouldn't have even matter. Yeah, oh, okay. there's a lot of typos and it's weird, but like huh. it also is like different patterns. Yeah, and I love that in different too. ways so i
0: can't yeah. imagine how meticulous that must it is i thought I, I was saying it kind of looks like house of leaves yeah the book um i'm going to try and be the com- the completionist here and do a scene from each thing oh, go on. oh yeah um go on, uh, my favorite scene in the book uh was probably when danny first runs into the dog guy i think his name is ralph or something like that. Uh, I don't, no, know, I don't, don't know, know what his no, fucking yeah. name
2: is. Ralph? Question mark yeah. is his name. <laughs>
3: Ralph? It sounds like Ralph. I think that's just a dog noise. So yeah. Like, yeah, 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 probably <laughs> is. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds
0: like a dog noise yeah. name thing. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, like when they introduce that that thing character in the book, it's like really to me terrifying because the, the way he describes it. It's just, like, it's not quite human, Mm-mm. and it's, like, it's really fucking malicious, just, like, right mm-hmm. off the bat to a child. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I don't know, it's fucked up. Like that it all whole comes scene. down to, like, masculinity and, like, like harmed masculinity
3: Yeah, the ghosts. Like, that's where that yeah. anger comes from, so, right. yeah.
0: <laughs> My favorite scene um, in the movie, I already said, was the scene where he's riding the big wheel through the hotel. Yeah. Uh, but mm. also, I just, like, that really, really, really long shot of Jack Nicholson just going... Mm. Oh, like doing that Stanley funny. Kubrick look, yeah. you know, where he's just looking like, yeah. like, mm-hmm. oh, like un, right under his forehead the yeah. into 5, the yard camera. Stare. Yeah, the five thousand yard stare. I like that scene a lot too, yeah. just because I'm just like, man, he didn't blink at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I
4: don't like how he doesn't blink. It makes me uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, in my favorite. Uh, scene from the miniseries is the scene scene like at the end where he's talking Mm. to Danny as like the overlook hotel has Mm. taken over his body entirely. Uh, and it's just because it's like kind of legitimately like the makeup is really good Mm. there. And like, it looks kind of terrifying in Mm. a way it's like probably it's like that. And like the, 217 room scene like the two like legitimately terrifying scenes in the miniseries mm-hmm. the rest of it's just hot garbage. Yeah. <laughs> That's
3: that also one of the most disappointing things from the movie perspective is that the the scene where Danny goes into room 217 in the book is just gut-wrenching it's fucking horrifying and it's so split up and kind of chaotic that it fucks with your psyche while it's fucking with danny's psyche and like it and then again you remember that's a fucking child that's Mm -hmm. dealing with these things and so like the fact that they just didn't you got nothing out of danny's experience i was hoping and praying with everything in my soul that they were going to have a 217 scene in Dr. Sleep where like they go back and you see what happens to Danny in the room and they didn't fucking do it And I'm Aww. so mad about it <laughs> 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 I just want to see it so bad But yeah, yes. it's that that scene definitely sticks out one and it yeah. has like one of my favorite quotes Which is this inhuman place makes human monsters. Which yes. Is Ooh, just, that's nice. No, yeah, I, I have it tattooed Like I love that. <laughs> scene. I love that that fucking, is a great. Quote, it's a, yeah. such a good line. <laughs> yeah,
2: so final thoughts my final thought is you know What are some deeper themes we didn't explore? I feel like we kind of might have glossed over some deeper themes. Yeah. And, I mean, I feel like there might be a lot of them. And there's so many versions. There, and, and so each of them do different themes in a different way and kind of overlook some and, like, focus on others. Mm-hmm.
0: One of the big things that we didn't talk about that I th- feel like maybe we mm. should have covered just a little bit was family. Because there's a lot of family stuff in the in the book. Because mm. um, there's a lot of stuff with, with um, Wendy's mom that yeah. we didn't talk about at all. Really? That yeah. she has, like, there's this whole thing with her mom where she's, like, her mom's, like, never like, pleased with anything she's ever doing. And there's, like, a whole complex there between her and her mom. And Mm. she hates Jack, so Jack hates her mom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And she feels like she's never taking care of Danny correctly Mm -hmm. and all this sort of stuff. And that was not mentioned in either of the adaptions, and it was kind of a part... It was a very important part, in my opinion, of Wendy's character in the book that I feel like was glossed over.
2: Yeah, Yeah. you do do really get a a good, uh, like... Dissection of fatherhood and bad fatherhood, and yeah. and like the well, like the implications of like what a father can do to a child, yes. and like that, and just the mental strain that that puts yeah. on you. But yeah, in both the miniseries and the uh, movie adaptation, Wendy doesn't really yeah. I mean, it's not that she doesn't do anything or doesn't have an impact, but she doesn't have, like, a deeper side to her in either.
3: There's just so much about her that is so wonderful. Yes, yeah. I I feel like a a big thing that gets really abandoned, like, probably halfway through the story is the roles that the families play with each other. Like, Mm. Jack may be officially the father, but he is suddenly playing, like, this more ominous sort of uh, outside stranger. And then Wendy, while she is, like, very protective of Danny and is trying to keep him safe... Danny himself is so strong and powerful that he doesn't need Wendy Mm -hmm. and Wendy kind of relies on him, but then they become a unit and that unit becomes strong for both of them after Mm -hmm. the fact of what happens to them. And there's
0: this whole kind of internal dialogue that Wendy has with herself about Danny Loving Jack more Mm -hmm. and automatically going to him for like comfort instead of Um, Wendy. There is that that whole thing is glossed over in both of the Mm adaptations too. But it's 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 in it's in the book. I don't get that feeling at all. I almost get the feeling that
2: Danny does not like Jack in either adaptation. Yeah, I get the feeling he does not want anything to do with him. (laughs)
0: He totally loves his dad in the book, and Mm. and that's like a whole big thing Mm. at the end. Like how it's like a self sacrifice sort of thing that that he does at the end. It's not quite like an miniseries but he has like the sort of thing like he met well in the end mm-hmm. and the overlook is the one that killed him it yeah. wasn't it wasn't yeah. anything mm-hmm. that jacked it interesting yeah. it
3: and was 100% the hotel
0: that, yeah.
4: uh,
3: that caused that to happen so yeah
4: and, so the I think be, like the hotel be like fuck that kid I'm gonna fuck his life up yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah.
3: you're gonna be an alcoholic when you grow up
4: yeah
0: huh? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: I'm gonna fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Fucking shit. Ahead.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, but I would say probably all of those elements are probably one of the things that are glossed over the most in the adaptations. I I don't know. I feel like that's a really important part to understanding like what King was trying to say with the yeah. story mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe that is another thing that yeah. he didn't like about Kubrick's adaptation. But he didn't really include. I was about it to say, but he didn't do it either. himself, yeah, exactly, so yeah. you can't complain. <laughs>
3: I think a lot of a, a lot of what King writes from is his own guilt. Like he writes from that perspective of his own guilt. Yeah. And you don't really get that in the movie. Like you, it's very much a, a lot more of along the sense of like I am a man and this is my role and this is how I will mm-hmm. treat my family. Yeah. Whereas, like in the book, like Jack feels so fucking guilty all the mm-hmm. time. Yes. He, we- he wears it like a 300 pound coat. Like, it, it he like I said, he's trying his best, but he's so weak willed and weak minded because yeah. of his abusive father, because yeah. of like losing his job. Like he is easily unhinged mm-hmm. and the hotel preyed on that. Yeah. Yes. Whereas his wife and his son were not, and that's why it was not able to bring them in
0: the way it wanted it right. to. Right. Like him wanting to play the role of like the commanding father is like part of it, but it's yeah. like it's not all of it. Exactly. It's like there's also like him going back and forth feeling guilty, but also being angry about feeling guilty and yeah. being pressured to feel guilty. You know, it's like of someone re- else's
3: fault that he's mm. guilty.
0: Right. Of, yeah. And also kind of a resentment towards Wendy or, over not really ever trusting him again, like yeah. after the whole incident mm. with Danny's arm and that whole thing. And th- that whole dynamic is really Welsh, like, put out in the book but no. it doesn't really translate well I
2: will say I guess in the in the movie the best way that they do that is the the hotel does feed into that psychosis of that everything else is not his fault that you know yeah. and it's saying like hey your family's the problem blah blah yeah. blah, and that yeah. shift and he's and like oh, visibly shifting right. blame from him yeah. and he starts to agree with that and that mm-hmm. becomes his new inner monologue yep. so that oh, i'll give it to that for both versions that yeah. they do explore that yeah. just not as in depth as what y'all yeah. are talking you about don't yeah. get, you
3: don't get <laughs> anything about jack's former life yeah too, yeah so, yeah
0: and that's kind of important yeah understanding his character better and making yeah. him a more sympathetic character mm-hmm. And that's But it's lacking. hard
3: it's hard to add so much extra mm. story right, yep. when you're trying to create a mostly visual experience for yeah. people. So. Especially
0: when the the mini kinda hits the book point by point and is still four and a half hours long yeah. and still leaves some stuff out. Yeah. I don't think it could have been much longer. Yeah. Yeah. No no no. Oh yeah.
4: no! Don't try Stephen King. He'll no, do it. <laughs>
2: He'll come we'll out with, the, with with the new Shining later yeah. in response to Doctor Sleep, and it'll oh, we'll be no. like Godfather Part Two, where no. it's one movie, it's loves- one series. that has both the Shining and Doctor Sleep in the yeah. same thing, but it's all Stephen King's vision. Oh, he loves he, he has an Sleep, unlimited so. budget.
4: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he loves Doctor Sleep, so just we, we, at least we know we won't get a King remake of that. No, <laughs> yeah, he liked
3: the movie. He well, very much. Like, like, I uh, think he
4: likes anything anyone puts out of his stuff anymore.
1: Oh,
3: yeah. yeah. Well, there's a lot of good. A lot of, uh, it, there, most of it's in good hands. He uh,
4: likes The Dark Tower.
3: Really? Oh, That—that's okay. yeah. bad taste. Then all right. Mm. Well, he also—he also is probably like more likely to endorse these things. I, and I mean, honestly, other than The Shining, I don't think he's disliked any adaptations of his. Has he?
4: He's, not really. No. Uh, not really. No. So. Not that I can think of. I really
3: think he just hated Stanley Kubrick that much. Yeah. I can understand that. Like,
2: I mean, he seems like a polarizing character, so that makes yeah. sense. It's two big and, egos coming into contact.
3: And, like, Stephen King doesn't care so much about his adaptations that he sells them. Like, he sells rights for what? Like, a dollar or something That's like really?
4: that? Oh, yeah. He, he sells,
3: yeah. Yeah, he he sells basically them for nothing. He basically gives
4: rights away Yeah, so, point. like, That's he clearly crazy. doesn't
3: that. care that much. I think it ultimately came down to the fact that this meant too much to him, and Stanley Kubrick lied to him. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah.
4: yeah. It's, it's honestly probably just because Stanley lied to him.
3: Yeah, yeah. And he was very bitter about it. Still is, but I would be too. I understand. He
4: he has let up in the past couple of years. He has said that on rewatch he doesn't mind it. There okay, are just all right, that's a good place to be. Yeah,
1: he kind
4: he he's done the Danzig, and you know, when Danzig <laughs> said when yeah. Danzig said you laughed in places. I don't think you should have. That's yeah. kind of what he did. Yeah.
1: <clears throat>
0: well, uh, I think I would say my my final final thoughts would be like. Read the book, obviously. I would say the the book is, like, the best as far as, like, the story is concerned, as far as, like, the best version of the story, because it's just got the most depth and the most character, I guess... Analysis, and yeah. I think it's just the best version all around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, obviously the Kubrick one is really, really good and a great art piece, and the mini series is a fucking train wreck. <laughs> uh, but I, I would say read the book if you can. Try and read more, just in general. Yeah, it's um, yeah. always my suggestion to everybody. America and. Um, that's it. <laughs> yeah, watch more horror movies. That's yes. it. Get your, get your, get drunk and
4: watch some miniseries.
2: Yes, yeah, please.
1: What I did. Enjoy, so
3: enjoy them for what they are, but also try to look for the deeper meaning in horror that you wouldn't normally think to look for. That's honestly. that's
0: yeah. what this podcast is completely about. Yep.
2: And that's
3: it's why we've totally been talking we for three fucking hours about yes. one movie. So this is
2: just, a, this is almost. A, let's make it as long as the miniseries. Let's yeah. go another let's hour. Another hour. See what we can do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they,
2: I mean the amount of stuff that we
0: did on Silent Night, Deadly Night, and yes, just please. how how much we talked about PTSD in that episode, and yes. like the the evolution of the definition of PTSD. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We made
2: a very serious episode out of Silent Night Deadly Night out of nowhere. I, that is
4: and impressive it, and it as And funny because <laughs> the other day, literally on New Year's Eve, we were at Simon's and we watched Silent Night Deadly Night Part 2 and we were just ripping the piss out of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Out of like the original segments just ripping the piss. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's good to do too. Admittedly, we've watched the Emoji Movie before and me and Jeremy Jesus Christ. What does dramatic. that have to
2: do with anything? Uh, Where did the Emoji Movie come into Low this? Low standards. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind
0: of the headspace they were in (laughs)
2: no
4: okay we we'd we watched it because we like torturing ourselves Amy and jeremy had decimated a bottle of gin
2: Uh, so it seemed right i watched three ninjas the other day i watched that on new year's
0: (laughs) Damn, and that's where we're going to end the episode (laughs) okay anyways uh thank you all for listening uh this has been great Thank you Aaron for being on the show. Yeah, thank you very much. Yes. This has been a, much less of a train wreck than I thought it would be <laughs> being four people. Yeah. You know, it's it, it always gets, you know, when you change the dichotomy of things it just, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen, but for that's sure. good. I'm glad this episode was good. We love you. Thank you for listening.
2: Thank you. Hey. Yes, thank
4: you for on a rambling about <laughs> Stanley Kubrick being an asshole. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah.
3: Fuck and you
2: Ghost's Stanley Avengers. Kubrick. And now and I Gust's got Adventures. And and watch n-
3: Ghost Adventures!
2: <laughs> and now yes. I gotta go wash my hands. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, what are you, some sort of ink baby? I guess so. Voila yeah, ink.